The views, comments, and opinions of the following program do not necessarily reflect those of Morris Media Studios, MorrisMediaLive.com, or its affiliates. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. I could say that like 12 times, 13 times. It's been like two or three years. Uh, my name is Louis Dix. That's D-I-X. And of course, uh, you're listening to In a Man's World. Now, um, as you noticed that we took a couple people's pictures off because I, 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 you see me in the car and I drove by and they wouldn't get in the car. So that's what I've learned. So uh, Jeff and TDP, and I'm sure... Jeff is listening because he has nothing else to do. So, but Jeff, Jeff and, and TDP um, jumped out of the, they wouldn't get in the car to come to the studio with me. So I don't know what's going on with that. But I was really good when I talked. I didn't talk to TDP. So TDP did what, what, what we did eventually here. First, well, before we go any further, let's just say uh, we, we, thank you for having us back, Poetis. Well, me. I don't know where everyone else is. But thank you. Uh, we jumped ship and then we started drowning, and then we realized it was better to swim back to the shore here at Morse Media. So we're happy that she was um, um, nice enough, and well, who she was, who she is, to say, hey, come on back, um, but let's do it the right way. So I, I was pulling up to grab Jeff and TDP, and TDP didn't get in, and then Jeff, he didn't get in because TDP, he's, couldn't, he knows he wants to come back. He really doesn't have anything to do or say, but he's in his own world, and he's... So I, I, but I was really cool because at first I was going to be upset. And I was like, no, hey, man, cool. You know what? No problem. And he did text me earlier to say, have a good show, which I am going to have a good one because they're not here. So, um, and we have great, a, a bunch of, I made some phone calls with a bunch of great comedians, friends of mine to come in because today's topic is going to be about comedy. So, uh, and also before I go any further, Aaron Gladman, good try. He sent me a link to thank you for the memes, first of all. But he sent me a link of a show he does, which is a ripoff of our show. 
in a man's world. It's a straight ripoff. But I I listened to it and I think he has like four guys and and they're country talented. So I'm not mad at them. You know, they they they're doing their best in this small little market. And I wish them the best. Uh, I'm sure the people are going crazy there and lining up. But um, I, yeah, I was kind of offended. I was like, ah, okay, good try, Aaron. You know, and Aaron's really trying to do a version of me. But you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call me and I'll give you some pointers, Aaron. Okay, but good good luck to you and your boys. So. Um, Comedy, stand up. That's what we're talking about. That's what I do. That's what Jeff does. TDP does it and he writes. Um, the comedy's do's and don'ts. Now, uh, I have someone in the, um, we're going to do like phone calls and then we're going to do Zoom because everybody's into the Zoom. Uh, and I, I hope everyone made it through the pandemic. And if you lost someone, we're sorry you, you lost some uh, people. And if you were able to make it, God bless you, you made it. It was, it's been, it's tough and it was tough for everyone. Uh, except for the people who got those loans, uh, but um, and the people who collected a lot of unemployment. And for those of us comics who were struggling through it but made it, hey, we're on the other side. Let's just get back on the horse and ride. And I thank Craig Robinson for helping me go on the road with him. So I had a good time. So I was able to survive. And and plus, I, I ever since I'm you know out of marriage, I don't have a big overhead. So I just got white sneakers. And um, for those of you interested, Code Three uh, sends her love. Um, it's been, it's getting stronger and stronger. She actually, she's been like a campaign for POTUS, you know, she just remembers all these dates and all these things about POTUS. So she's a cheerleader that almost broke us up, but no. Okay. So listen, uh, before I go any further, cause I have a gentleman waiting and he's busy. He's, um, just to tell you a little bit about him. He's, um, he was born June 13th. I think that makes him a cancer. I don't know, but he's from Queens, New York. And uh, he was been seen on The Tonight Show, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Comedy Central. He was a judge on Last Comic Standing. He tours all over. He has a, a DVD special called Tall, Dark, and Funny. And he tours all over America and abroad. And he's just, and you know, one interesting thing, he loves motorcycles and cars. And he had, an, he had a crazy high-sided accident, they said. But I, we're going to talk to him about comedy and how he feels about, how he feels about the whole Dave Chappelle thing, and if it's kind of some jokes that he wouldn't do. But I'm really happy because it was a late-minute call, and he said yes, and I'm so happy he did. So uh, if we can bring him in, uh, Mr. Alonzo Bolden, um, just a nice what's guy. Up, hey, little... hey, what's up, man? So, so... <laughs> Man, we got to update, uh, get you an updated Wikipedia page. I've done a lot since then. I know, I, I, and I thought about comment. that when I was reading it. And yeah, then I, I said, I know it's more. I apologize for that. Nah, no worries, man. I've done a couple more specials. And the motorcycle thing you read about, it's on my Wikipedia. I am very flattered by whoever wrote it because they had me racing Ducati bikes and stuff like that. It, right. I was on the track and I crashed. But I am not by any means a professional motorcycle racer or anything close. But but it was a flattering write-up, so I left it there. Oh, is that so? So you did you shatter your? I didn't even know could S C A P A scaphoid. Yeah, I broke my scaphoid. It's a little bone in the wrist, and uh, it it happens a lot. Like if you're falling and you put your hands down like this, mm -hmm. it breaks. It's the little bone in the corner of your wrist. It so. sounds it sounds worse though, with the words. Well, yeah, I mean, the way they wrote it up, like I said, very flattering, made me sound really tough, like I'm out there risking life and limb. So you don't take that down. Okay. Like, yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> All right, now I did read something else, and, and I wanted to ask you about it. It also said that you donated a kidney to your older brother. 
Yeah, yeah. It's been, uh, what, how long has it been? Eight years. Eight years. Now, was that a tough decision or was no... No, no. no. Didn't even think about it. He was, um, he had a degenerative kidney thing going on and his kidney function was dropping and he had to go on dialysis. And I was like, if you need one, I'll give you one. And we did the test. We were compatible. Uh, we did the um, transplant. And the funny thing is now today his kidney function is higher than mine. And I was like, they gave you the good one. I'm taking it back. <laughs> All right. Now, does, does, how does that affect you? Uh, or does it? Does Not it? at all. My, if, you're, if you're healthy and you have two healthy kidneys and they remove one, it doesn't affect your body at all. As a matter of fact, there are people who are born with one kidney and they don't even know it until they get tested or something. Like, in other words, your body's functioning fine. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, and believe me, man, they did more medical tests. I told them the testing was tougher than the transplant. They do every possible test um, before they transplant to make sure that you're going to be fine afterwards. So, yeah, I've been fine. Okay, no, good. no effect on And your me. brother's good. Well, he's better than he's you. He's good, know. too. Yeah, he's good. And good. the reason his function is so, is higher is because he still has his two partially functioning kidneys plus my good kidney. So, so he actually has three? Three to one. He's winning. Wow. Wow. Now, now did, did when, when you came out of that, did it go right into your comedy or did you? Just... Oh, yeah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, so let's see. So they told me I would have to take a month off to recover, right? And you know how work is. You know, you got to cancel stuff or this or that so i had cleared the month of march um of that year to do the surgery then a couple of weeks before the surgery there was a little question they had and they're like ah we're not sure we want to test you again on this or that and i was like look i'm not canceling april so if you want to do this let's get it done and the doctor said, you're the first person we've had fight to give a kidney. You know, I was, like, I was like, I'm on a schedule. But Lou, it, they did the surgery. I was fine the next day. Um, got out of the hospital a day after that. And I think five days later, I was on stage. So I was actually glad that the surgery was delayed because... If I was healthy and had to sit around a month and not go on stage, you know how crazy we go mm -hmm. in, in that situation. So I'm actually fortunate that they delayed the surgery for two weeks. I was down for a week and then back to work. Now, you said that, you, you know, it's interesting you say, thank you for including me about not working and being going crazy because I'm not working. You know, it's a different level. And we got to let people know it's a different level of comics like yourself who work like how many day how many days out of the month how many do you work what's your what's your I you know I I tell people I don't count it because I would go nuts but like okay so this is like a typical week I just finished a weekend at Flappers in Burbank right so that was Friday Saturday then I did a spot Tuesday night um I'm doing a spot tonight and a show tomorrow so yeah I get up on stage probably four nights out of seven, and I probably travel. Everything's crazy now, right, because it's shut down. But pre-pandemic, I probably traveled 40 weeks out of the year. Not necessarily for the whole week. It might be a one-nighter. It might be two days. But, yeah, I was 
my job is go to the airport, get on airplanes. You know, I tell them uh, they pay me to travel and I tell the jokes for free. What what, what part of that do you enjoy? Uh, what's the Telling best the part jokes. of that? Telling, what, getting the, to the, the city, the hotel. Do you enjoy no, that process? Travel, you know, and travel, sadly, has become worse over the years. Listen, Lou, I fly so much. And again, you know how this is. I'm a platinum member on... Um, United and Delta, and I have some kind of gold status or whatever on American, right? Because I fly so much. And I'm like, look, I'm platinum, and they treat me like trash. Like, I don't know what they're doing with Group 7. Group 7, I guess they just hit them with sticks and make them sit down. I don't know, because I'm platinum, and they ain't too crazy about me. Really? Now, do you get profiled somewhat since you are like when you go into the clubs and does that, you know, the club where it's the platinum club where you can go eat and stuff? Do you? No, no. I'll tell you the funny things that happen. TSA can be funny because I have pre-check and I have a thing called clear. Right. So in other words, I've been background checked and normally I can go right through. But the because of the way I travel and the way airlines work, a lot of times. I'll have one-way tickets. In other words, if I got to go, say I got to go L.A., Chicago, Newark, Miami, L.A., right? Mm -hmm. A lot of times it's cheaper to buy four one-way tickets than a, a circular ticket. That's just the way the airlines work. If you are a male with a one-way ticket, you are going to get, quote, random checked. Wow. You know, that that's... A red flag in the system so I deal with that and it's funny when they recognize you and they're like hey what's up man how you doing you know where you going where you working this weekend okay can you step over here and strip down and they still do it <laughs> <laughs> they still do it wow that's and then now you've learned just to roll with it you don't get upset or you, you, the only time I get mad sometimes it's I don't know it's ridiculous because it's so redundant, you know? Mm -hmm. um, but normally I'm okay with it because, yeah, it's just part of it. And 90% of the time, if, if, the, if well, if the airport has clear, not all airports have it, but if the airport has clear, they just, they do that retinal scan mm -hmm. and you go right through. They're like, yep, you're good. You've been background checked. And I also have that for um, getting in and out of Canada because I used to work in Canada a lot. It's a thing called Nexus. So again, they do a background check, but then you don't have to wait in the customs line. You just go through. So, I mean, when you travel all the time, you just learn to make it as easy as possible. Now, now I saw the dog in the background. That's your, that's your, uh, the person you hang with or not? Cause people, that is my pandemic puppy, man. He's oh, a, he's a great Dane. So he's still a puppy. He's still only 10 months old, even though he weighs about 130 140 mm -hmm. and uh yeah he's my he's my buddy at home and hangs out he's actually doing what he does best which is taking a nap and that's why he can be here during the zoom if his you. energy's up there's no way he could be here he'd be all over me and the camera and everything else but i love having a dog man i i love have i thought i'd be home more i briefly had a radio gig like you didn't work out wasn't really my thing but when i got it and i figured i'd be home a friend said yeah you should get a dog you're gonna be home and we've worked it out he he he's okay with me leaving on occasion i put him up at a nice hotel he's like all right go do your thing come back and Bring money and treats. Now, it's interesting you mentioned that with the radio gig because you know how we track each other to see who's working and what they're doing. And you're like, well, maybe if he, because I heard that you had left. 
And I was like, oh, well, let me call and see if... But they filled your slot so quick over there uh, with uh, Don... I forgot who was. You don't know who Yeah, was, Don Amici Don took over. I was doing afternoon drive. They moved Don from late night to afternoon. And then they brought in Brian Babylon. Um, I don't know if you know Brian, brother from Chicago. Okay. Used to do NPR. And uh, he's doing the late night spot. You know, it was... Um, I couldn't be in two places at once, you know, and, and my stand-up career, I mean, I'll be honest, listen, it was paying a lot better than, than radio was. Got it. So I couldn't, you know, miss radio and they didn't have the remote facility set up the way it was supposed to be. It's a new station. It's a startup. It's Tavis Smiley's deal, KBLA mm -hmm. uh, 1580 in LA. And it's great. It just wasn't the right fit for me. Good. Well, that, that was I'm, well. You made someone else happy. Now you have a gig that made it fit for them. I wanted to um, ask you, um, and you guys who just joined us, we're Alonzo Bolden, uh, comedian, and who's uh, don't go by his Wikipedia. There's more. What other specials <laughs> are you doing that, that you've done that so we can update that? Uh, well, after I so my first one was Who's Paying Attention. Tall, Dark, and Funny was a DVD. Then I did a special called Who's Paying Attention. And then I, that was on Showtime. Then I did another one on Showtime called Historically Incorrect. And my latest one on Showtime was called Heavy Lightweight, which was about two years ago. So how long does it take you to prepare for a special? Do you go Normally, out? you know, I do a lot of topical stuff, so I'm always writing. There's always new stuff coming up. But I would say... Normally about a year, although the last one I did, and, and I like challenges. So they called me in September and they said, hey, we're doing a series of specials. We'd like you to do one in December. So it was like, oh, okay, so can I, I mean, I had the material, but it was like, can I tighten it up and make it a, a TV thing in three months? And, and I was going on stage five, six nights a week just running it. And I felt good about it. But um, as always, and, and I don't know how much your audience knows this, but a comic is never satisfied. When we walk off stage, you're laughing and clapping and we're thinking, damn, I should have said this. I forgot that one. And so, so of course, there was all of that second guessing. But, you know, as, as I say, people seem to like me. I think, I think you're correct when it comes to comics that are professional and want to be good. These young boys think they destroy all the time, and it's not their fault. It's the audience's fault. That's what I've learned. I've watched. Yeah, yeah. and that's that's a fascinating thing, right, to it's the audience. Because when I came up, they taught me it's never the crowd. Like, right. it's your job to find them. And, and I also know not everybody's going to like me. You know, I'm okay with that. But, yeah, I'll see some comics, and they bomb. Like, nobody's laughing. And right. they're like, yeah, that audience sucks. Like, no. No, right, right. nothing you said was funny. Right, right. That was the problem. Yeah, they'll... you you know you have a lot of attitude. You have attitude and you have premises, mm -hmm. but you didn't bring anything home. Right, and they tell the audience, "Stand up, come on, give it to me, give it to me." And I'm like, oh, <laughs> "You gotta earn that, man. You gotta earn." Real, I'm gonna circle back. How did you get into comedy? <clears throat> uh, my first career was aerospace. I was an airplane mechanic, and. That led to me training new mechanics. And when I was in front teaching a class, uh, I always had a sense of humor, but it was fun to be up there and make them laugh. And the um, the fear of public speaking that most people have, mm -hmm. I didn't have that at all. It was just a natural thing. And after doing that for about two years, I was like, 
I want to do stand-up. And uh, the girl I was dating at the time gave me this ad for a comedy writing class. And I did the class. And, you know, the graduation was a five-minute spot. And I never looked back. Now, who taught the class? Was it anyone? Uh, a guy named Len Ostrovich, who used to write for Richard Jenny. Remember Rich? Yeah, I remember Rich. Yeah, he, he committed yeah. suicide. Yeah, sadly. Yeah, sadly. sadly. Yeah, it's, it's... And, um... So anyway, Len was one of his writers, and he had this workshop in Santa Monica that we did. Mm. Yeah, it's a, it's a, I'm going to get to that later about so many comics who have just the way that their lives have ended is just crazy. You know, I remember when... Uh, I, I get it. I mean, it's tragic, but I understand it. You know... Um, what do you mean and, by that? And I've gone to therapy at various times in my life and in my career. But, you know, we, we live a um isolated existence right when you're working and you're traveling like we're comics we do it on our own and unfortunately i think what happens if you get that depression and that mindset that things are bad or, or getting worse or whatever if you don't have the outside influence to put it in perspective you know that's it now when you and, say and outside influence what, who do you is that a person or a thing or what do you mean by that people yeah people i talk to you know, you got to remember, like, um, <clears throat> I know, do you know Mike Lacey? Uh, no. So Mike Lacey owns the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa. Iconic club. Been around for, I don't know, 40 years or whatever. And we're in the green room. And this was like Leno's home club and all the big names. You right, know. it closed, didn't it? Right, it's closed from the pandemic. It hasn't reopened yet. He doesn't know if it's going to reopen or not. But anyway... You know, Leno, Ray Romano, um, you know, every, every you name it, every big name comic, Arsenio, whatever, goes there. You know, the green room is a great hang or whatever. And Mike was talking to us one time and he said, you know, you comics, he's like, you don't realize how great you are. He said, because you will sit here and you look at Jay Leno or Ray Romano and you say, man, I don't have a hit show. I don't have a hundred million dollars. He said... Go back to your high school. Go back to your high school and see how many people have been on television. Go back to your high school and ask how many people make a live, pay their mortgage by telling jokes. You're doing okay. And that's what I mean. You need that kind mm -hmm. of influence to remind you, right? Because we're always looking up at the next level and we never look behind us at what we've achieved. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what I mean by perspective. Good point. I wanted to ask you, because you... Now, I'm just because here on this show in a man's world, we, we say things that people normally wouldn't say. Uh, we try to be direct and honest as if just a couple of men sitting around talking. We don't very so we don't even allow women on the show. Uh, we have a, a female producer who runs the her company, but she's you mm -hmm. know, sometimes she she corrects us and we allow that because, you know, she she's the boss. But other than that, because you were. I'm listening to you, and you mentioned Jay Leno and all that, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening would say, hey, man, he, sound, he must hang with nothing but white people. You know? Like, oh, no. Okay. No, that's not true at all. Okay, no, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm just saying, I'm wondering, like, what, what like, like, I would say, okay, the way he talks so, because they, they get on me about speaking so clearly, and he must not have any black friends, and if he dates a girl, she's got to be white, da da um, it, that is very frustrating and that came up early in my career. So he, so here's the thing, Lou, and you've probably, you may or may not have dealt with this, right? Um, I'm mainstream as a comic. I am mainstream from a black point of view. That, that would be the way I would describe it. Uh, growing up when I was a kid, 
Uh, I grew up in Queens. I was bused to white schools. Mm -hmm. I am. I, I joke, and it's true though. I was bused before it was an issue, okay. and I ain't gonna <laughs> lie. I got a better education. They uh -huh. put more money into white schools. Right. So, I mean, it's unfortunate, but the truth is I got a better education and that, that doesn't have to do with speaking or, or language or anything. That's just like everything was right. better, right? Because they, they put more money into white schools. My comedy career, when I started in the 90s, like I say, I was more mainstream. I probably, let's say I was more Cosby than Pryor, right? Mm -hmm. Without the raping. Without right. the rape. Uh, <laughs> I hate that because Cosby destroyed an incredible comedy legacy. But anyway, that's another story. Right. But you know, anyway, he's, a, he's a good friend of mine. So I cringe when, I, you know, it's I spent a lot of time with him. And I'm still I, trying to put that. In. I honestly, I think that's one of the tragedies is that his legacy mm -hmm. was destroyed. But but again, that's right. that's another discussion. But but if I had to be one or the other, that's the side I was on. And I would work some Def Jam rooms and black rooms and get booed, get, you know, and two guys, a guy named Speedy, an L.A. comic, mm -hmm. and Cedric, Cedric the Entertainer, were both like, yo, man, do what you do. Don't worry about them. You do you. They were like, you're, you're already at the Laugh Factory. Most of these guys, they ain't getting up at the Laugh Factory. You're already in and this and that, which boosted my confidence. Um, later on, in the past, I don't know, five, seven years, whatever, now that I've become one of the old heads, one of the old vets, I've had young comics come up to me and say, man, I'm glad I saw you because you were a black comic not doing stereotypical black comedy. Um, when I met Franklin Ajay, I was like, Franklin, thank you. Oh, because yeah. he was that. Yes. You know, um, it is unfortunate that we as black people will quite often take the most negative stereotypes about us and require that to be real. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the, one of the problems that we've had in representation is the spectrum of black people is tremendous. We're not all from the hood. Right. We're not all banging. We're not, you know what I mean? Yes. Like it is from, you know, Barack Obama's black. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Uh, it, it's, you know, I had a whole bit about that, about, Obama made nerds cool and nerds were like guys were like, yo, man, I was about to whip your ass. But then I realized you might be president one day and I need a friend. <laughs> right. You know, so yeah. I don't I it was tough. I, I'm not going to lie. It was tough in the first years of my career not being accepted by parts of the black community. But ultimately, it's OK. And now the spectrum has widened so much mm -hmm. that it's, you know, I am who I am, and and I appreciate the love and respect I get from the black community. And it is unfortunate that we, and I find it black people, our community does it more so than others. I've worked a ton of Latin rooms. I've done Jewish shows in temples, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And I don't see Jewish people saying, hey, you're not Jewish enough to a Jewish comic or to a Mexican comic. You know, you're not Mexican enough. You're not Puerto Rican enough. I don't see it. But unfortunately, we do that to ourselves sometimes, and and I'm glad we're growing out of it. Yeah, I agree. Now, um, I got a few more minutes. I wanted to, um, was it because of the whole Dave Chappelle thing, which we're gonna at the end of that, has there ever been a subject that you won't touch? Um, there's a person I have a hard time with, Condoleezza Rice. 
Mm -hmm. Because I can't figure her out. Um, Condoleezza Rice grew up in segregated Alabama, yet she is completely right-wing and protecting white people and white privilege and white, you know, she just recently said that we shouldn't teach critical race theory because we might make white kids feel bad. Mm -hmm. But the thing about her, she's not a clown, right? Like, like, you know, Ben Carson's a clown. Herman Cain is a clown. That sheriff from Milwaukee, the guy who wears a cowboy hat, right? They're, they're all clowns. I, I can make fun of them because I don't respect them. They're, their whole opinion's full of it. But she is an intelligent, professional person, and I just don't understand it. And I've never, so I've never been able to make the joke because to treat her like a clown, like, no, she's not. I just don't understand her thinking. But as far as topics, no, man, there's funny in anything. And, and you know, I've been doing a fair number of these interviews about Dave Chappelle. Maybe it's like you said, I'm the black comic that they're comfortable with, so they call me for NPR and MSNBC. They're like, he's okay. And finally, I said, listen, man, at last I checked, Lou, my remote still works. Mm-hmm. If I don't like Dave Chappelle, I'm going to go ahead and change the channel. Listen. I don't like Tucker Carlson, so you know what? I don't watch Fox News. You know, the people complaining about Dave, I'm going to say probably at least half of them haven't watched the special. Got it. They haven't watched it. They're just talking because they heard that. I don't think he did anything that was particularly anti-transgender, and he definitely explained at the end why he has his point of view, and I think that's the important thing. This is... Dave Chappelle's point of view. This is not Dave Chappelle telling you what to think. Dave Chappelle is not a lawmaker. Dave Chappelle is not a governor or any. Dave Chappelle is a comedian with a point of view, a strong point of view. And and if that bothers you, I don't know what to tell you because here's the thing. Say they did it. Say the trans community at Netflix got Dave's special pulled, right? Right. Well, then what happens when some other comic does a joke or somebody says something that they, somebody trans says something that somebody black doesn't like or somebody trans says something that somebody Jewish doesn't like? Does that community get to shut down a trans person? You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, you know, right-wing, clan, proud boy assholes, you know? Right. But unfortunately, in this country, they're entitled to have a voice. Now, they're not entitled. I don't think they should be entitled to bring rifles to a protest march, you know. And by the way, they never use them. They're the most cowardly. I love when they bring their rifle to a suburban supermarket. Right. You know, I'm a badass. <laughs> like, no, you're not. You're, right. you're at Ralph's in right. Sherman Oaks. You ain't that tough. Right. Go. Go to the hood and, and, and carry your rifle and tell everybody, shut up. Right. You know, but, I'm with you. I, um... But, no, but they ahead. have the right to do it. And Dave has the right to say what he wants to say. I agree with you. And I appreciate you saying that. Um, before I go, let you go, I want to have, ask you one last question. Who do you miss the most who's no longer with you? Personally or in the comedy world? Uh, personally in the comedy world. Personally, my mother. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom was the funniest person I've ever known. And I miss laughing with her. Mm-hmm. Um. In the comedy world, two guys were gone way too soon. Robin Harris and Patrice O'Neill. Right. 
two, two, yeah, two, two vicious ones. Yeah. Hey, listen, Alonzo, I, I truly thank you for taking the time to come out, man, and listen and zoom in on me. Uh, take care. I hope to be able to call you again and we can talk some more. And hit me up whenever, man. My okay. pleasure. You know, I, I love talking comedy and we could talk man to man and any other issue that might make people upset. Let's go for it. All right. Thank you, man. <laughs> take care. Have, be safe. You too, brother. All right, that was Alonzo Bolden. Uh, we got, I mean, oh, oh, I didn't mean to tell you, Pete, that, you know, I think Buddy's at the gate. Uh, but what, right now, uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, go right into it. I thank Alonzo, but my main man, Alex Thomas, is on the line. Alex. Man, man so you just got us lined up this morning? Hey, man, you know what? I did not know people cared, you know, would do that. I, 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 did, I thought they would say, nah, Lou, I'm busy. But, yeah. Uh, how are you, Alex? Now, now, who who are you? Who are you on the links with? Today, I am playing. You know Michael Ralph? Yeah, I know Michael Ralph. Yeah, very well. I mean, not very well. We have, you know, but on the shows, I did warm up, and he was always right, an actor. Right, right, right. Right, and then you know his his sister's uh, Shirley Ralph. Yeah, Shirley. Oh, Shirley's playing. No, no, no. She's not playing. We're playing with another guy. He's got a huge. It's a black man, a black owner of a huge golf line. Uh, it's called Deuce Premium. And they're actually in all the PGA stores now. He has an accessory line for golf, golf accessories like hats and, and, and gloves. And he's in GQ magazine. It's just, just kind of a big deal in the golf world because you don't see a lot of uh, black designers in the, black, in the golf black world. So we're, we're playing with the owner of that today. And just networking, man. i got a few things going on right now uh, network-wise with a, with, a, with a golf show that I created. Uh, so playing with a producer, you know, just, man, just doing what we do. Now, now let me ask you a question, because so many comics golf. My dad loves golf, and I'm not really a golfer, but it does uh, Does a lot of business deals take place out on the links? Absolutely, a thousand percent. I'm going on my 25th year playing golf now. All wow. Right? So people, are, people are always uh, asking me, like, so when did you start playing golf? When did you start playing golf? I'm like the year every black man in America started playing golf, 97, when Tiger won the Masters. Now, now how, how is your game? How would you categorize your game? Or where are you? You know what? For a comedian, I'm not bad. I'm a 12 handicap. Um, I've been playing 25 years. I got one hole in one. But for me, um, Lewis, it's not even really about whether I'm good or bad. It is the camaraderie and the... Uh, the, the, the relationships that I've got through golf. What a lot of people don't know about me, for the last 10, 15 years of my life, golf kind of turned into slash a comedy hustle for me. I almost made more hosting professional athletes tournaments than to go to Miami to do six shows at the, at the Miami Improv or going to Dallas or to have to do the improv for four shows. Like, I'm, I'm around a lot of, I mean, as you know, some of the richest people in the world play golf, right? Right, right. And 95% and of all pro athletes have foundations. I see. They are giving money to cancer or autism or, you know, battered women, whatever it is, they all are trying to raise money. And they always, since, since the Bob Hope days, 
have had comedians. Yeah, he said he's driving around back now. I'm sorry, your boy Buddy Lewis is coming into the studio live, and he didn't know. You know, comics have a tough place to know where to come. Now, now, who who is the best? Who is out of all the comics? Who's the best golfer? Who's the best? Who's the top? Yes, you can cuss. Okay. Buddy Lewis is definitely up there with uh, some of the top uh, comedian golfers. But let me finish what I'm saying before I go there. Okay, I'm sorry. When I say it's not, when I say it's not about me being the best, the relationships that I have made that I've been able to flip into multi-million dollar business is what I'm concerned with. I'm telling you, Lewis, if I was horrible, the one thing I have on my side... I'm going to hang with somebody for four hours, and they're going to they're gonna love me at the end of the round. God, this guy's funny. God, he has a great person, personality. Look, what is it that you need? And that has been a great thing for me. You know what I mean? Right. Um, the, the relationship in golf is also the great equalizer. So, for example, say I played in a, um, like, when would I ever be hanging out with these type of people? So, for instance, one time a foursome was Will Smith, Joe Pesci, Wayne Gretzky, and me. Wow. Out of Will Smith, Joe Pesci, Wayne Gretzky, and me, I'm the broken. Okay? <laughs> let's, let, let's just say, I'm just throwing out numbers. Let's just say Wayne Gretzky has $200 million in the bank. Let's say Will Smith has $400 million in the bank. And let's say Joe Pesci has you know, $97 million in the bank. And let's say I just got a million in the bank, right? right. For four hours, for four hours, none of that matters. We're all trying to get this little white ball. In this hole, when guys see you can play golf, and then you got the personality and you're fun to be around, next thing you know, you're sitting on the 90s hole having a drink, and they either gonna love you or they're gonna like you. In my case, these people end up loving me, but when would I have ever been around these four guys for four hours? Yeah, that yeah. What yeah. golf is? That yeah. what golf is? Yeah, the only time I guess you'd be around Will for four hours is doing warm up. Yeah. That's... Oh yeah, no. <laughs> Exactly, in Will's case, it's different because he's, he's the dude that invited me, and I've been friends, and I wrote on his show for years and all that. But you get my point. I can, yes. I can go for hours. I mean, I played with Clint Eastwood a, a couple of months ago at my country club. Like, when would I ever be hanging around with that guy? Okay, wait, I can't let you get past that. Wait, I can't let you get past that. You have a, you're, you're a member of a country club. Yes, I'm a member of a country club called Sherwood Country Club. Uh, it's one of the most prestigious country clubs in America. Uh, Jack Nicholas designed it, you know, there's only, put it this way, there's 400 members, there's about 25 black people, and wow. uh, out of the 25 black people, I'm the broken, you know what I mean, uh, Will Smith is a member, Chris Paul is a member, Obama, Tiger, uh, you know, so there's not a whole lot of us, but from little old Alex Thomas to being there, it's kind of a slight of well, you know what I mean? well, you're, you're the, the guy that you just gave a compliment to is one of the top golfers in your group just sat down. You put on your headphones. That's um, Alex Thomas is on the phone. Who? Alex. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Lewis, Alex Thomas. <laughs> and uh, Barbecue in the backyard or, or golf, I'm there. 
Yes, sir. Yeah, we we going to the uh, J spot tonight uh, for two shows. Alex is going to be there eight and ten thirty. Uh, 5581 South Manchester Pros Night Out. Lewis, you've yeah, we, done it we, before. We only have like seven listeners, so you really don't have to promote us. I would, I, you know what? The disrespect <laughs> you're showing me, you know, you've no, probably no. got about 10 because oh, yeah, I'm on the yeah, radio no, no, now. You're right. You and Alex have probably brought in 50 something okay, plus more. I'm just I just about... want to let you know the level of disrespect right now. No. Uh, is palpable <laughs> in the room that oh, I don't right. have more than seven followers. When I told people I was coming down here, you got at least fifteen people. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, you, yeah, yeah. Unlike Shane, when Shane calls, you get seventeen. Seventeen. So, because Alex is on his way to golf, he's driving right now. Can I ask you guys, where the hell are you? It sounds like. You were in uh, the back house in Michael Williams' house right now. No, no, we're at, we're at, you know, it's probably because we're not holding our mics up, but we're at Morris Media Studios uh, run by Poetis. And um, it's a, it's a, that's over off of Crenshaw and Homeland. Same thing. That's, that is Michael Williams' backyard. It's what? Oh, stop, stop touching. touching the mic. See, yeah, that's you can't how, touch. Yeah, you we, can't touch nothing in here. No, that's how fine this is. Yeah. So, and the equipment wait, 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 is wait, wait, very, very highly tech. Know, I don't mean to interrupt. I don't mean to interrupt, but I gotta give a big shout out to my girl OG Poetis in the building because she is a well, legend. Yeah. Still and fun radio, too. And I just gotta say that. That's why I go back my whole entire career with Poetis. Yeah. Oh, now, how does that? What do you mean you go back with your with your? How does that work? I mean, like, like meaning when I first into this business when I first was doing like little small radio interviews and this and that if I can remember it was either K-Day or KGFJ I don't know maybe she can help me out where was that I mean I'm talking like when Tupac was alive back when I mean all that KJLH all these other radio stations we shouldn't be bringing up while Alex, we're on his. Alex, it was 92.3 The Beat, but thank you so much for the, the shout-out. Thank you. I, and, Poda, didn't you and Dominique Suprema used to work together? Yep. I, okay, I got a good memory, and that was, was that like 93, 4, 5? Yep, I worked, I was at The Beat, um, 93, and I think Dominique was there around the same time, 94. Mm. So okay, we try to on this show in a man's world we try to limit the female voice so that's enough of that alex thank you we, we, try, mm. to, we try to keep things male mm. and um so, no 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 you already said you got three kids you ain't in no trouble you done hey, you locked in buddy hey first of all if you know what uh she ain't going nowhere so, uh, with them three kids, she ain't going nowhere, Alex. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. She going to hang on in there, even no matter how bad things get. She going to hang on in there, Alex, with you. All right? You got three babies. Yeah. Now, how old are your kids, Alex? <laughs> my kids are six years. My daughter is six. My one son is three, and another son is one. Hey, Lewis. I mean, Lewis, and, and me and his his wonderful wife, Brazy, we have a special kind of uh, love-hate bond 
relationship. Exactly. We love and we hate each other at the same time. Really? Yeah. Oh, man, we go after each other. So you can tell Brazy, I said, Alex, tell her this exactly quote. She ain't going to wear. Who else going to want her after you leave, Alex? You tell her I said it. <laughs> now, my, my understanding is Alex gave his kid a, a, a crazy birthday party. He always get Listen, Al, that is Alex's claim to fame, the crazy birthday party, whether it's his own or somebody else's. Alex Alex is one of those I'm going I'm going uh 50/50 crazy straight up. My kids going to know I love them. My wife's going to know. He goes all out. I he, think it's 51/50. Whatever it is. Alex likes that stuff. Now cuz you grew up in South Central LA, right? Now, you know, I was, when I was, because Alonzo Bolden was on early and I read the Wikipedia and he said it needed to be updated. Mm -hmm. But I was reading because everybody knows Alex was in the Players Club and BAPS and, and he was in um, Mr. Box Office. And I thought about the thing, uh, South Central, you know, a menace to be a menace to society, don't mm -hmm. be a menace to society. But then I read the whole thing. It says, don't be a menace to society to it, South it, Central while drinking your juice in the hood. Nobody ever says the whole title. Nobody says the whole title. And it's long and comical just saying it. It's yes. hilarious. There were, there were a whole bunch of people in that movie. Yeah, it was a lot of people in that movie, Alex, that, you, that some made it and some didn't. Right. Because Keith Morris was in it, right? Yeah, Keith Morris, Chris... Chris, Chris Spencer, there's a whole bunch of people. Yeah. Keith Morris, okay. what's so funny is, that's just, I'm driving over Thank these you. mountains, you guys, so if I cut out, I hope I don't cut out. Can you hear me? Yes. No, it'll be because Brazy heard this. <laughs> Keith Morris was, it was almost like, so first of all, Don't Be a Menace was also not only the first movie I was in, it was one of the first movies I wrote on. Because Keenan and I went in like all of us. We were like a little young little boot camp of young comics and he made us write and rewrite that movie almost two to three times i'm talking like the movie was supposed to come out one year but he didn't like it the way it was written he made us rewrite the whole movie like literally twice before it was right right and he didn't care if there was too many jokes or this, it was slapstick it was our effort in our in our um generation of the movie that we grew up watching which was airplane and Naked Guns, and I know you guys saw all those, right? Mm -hmm. No, I didn't. So but that was our attempt at some slapstick ghetto shit, and man, it ended up being a hood classic. There is not a black person in the world between the ages of 25 and 50 that did not see that movie. You know what I mean? But since you brought up Keith Morris, we were just fucking around joking at the writing table one night. And because, you know, me and Daryl, we were the only ones in the room that did all the nigger rules. You know what I mean? So, you know, Chris Spencer, Suli, um, 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 you know, Mark, uh, Marlon Wayans, Sean Wayans, uh, none of them were coming to the comedy act then. None of them were coming to the townhouse. None of them were coming out all the hood shit that me and Daryl were doing. So we told them about this nigga named Keith Morris. And he would be great for these little three lines because he already looked like a real crackhead. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> hey, Alex. <laughs> this, wouldn't be a, this wouldn't be a stretch for that nigga. 
Hilarious. <laughs> hilarious. Hey, Alex, I also, I had heard, and it's good I'm talking to you to confirm it, that you have a business with backpacks for the stars, the celebrities. Is that true? Well, I, I, I just hear about it all. Anytime I say, well, he says, man, Alex is set, man. Alex is set, man. He, he sells backpacks to stars. That's what they, you know, whenever you inquire about another comic. Well, uh, well people, well, now that you said it that way, now I have to clear it up for you. Okay. I'm not, a, the way you made it sound is like, I also sell weed and mixtapes. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. You, you said it like sell, like. Find me on the corner of Slauson and uh, Christoph tonight at about 6.30 <laughs> No, I, I get your knockoff knock bag. No, I didn't mean it like that. <laughs> no. Draws and pit bull puppies. Well, could you could you explain it to, 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 to us and listen, what does that entail? Because I know it's a lucrative business. All right, all right. All right so I'm going to just make it real quick. Is it the quickest way I can? And uh, I never talked about it with comics. You know, oh, okay. Some of my it. best friends didn't even know that I did it because I had to take a completely different route with this business. I knew I was going to be around a bunch of haters. I knew I was going to be around <laughs> people that go, what does he know about fashion? I knew I, I was going to be around people that go, can I get something for free? Uh, so, with that being said, long story short, we're the only black-owned high-end custom accessory line in the world. We're going on 12 years of business now. It's called the Lewis Stewart Collection. Uh, we are all over the world. Yes, I have 65% of the NFL, the NBA, everybody from Michelle Obama to Oprah to Rihanna to every superstar you can think of that has supported us. It's very, very high end. So at the beginning of the business when I first started, I had to take a page out of the white folks' book and leave my face and name out of it. Like when people started finding out about it and hearing that I was the owner, then I was like, okay, you know, there's nothing we could do about because now the good word is going. Now Rihanna's going on TV bringing my name Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Kanye is bringing my name up because people were proud of me. They, they looked at it like almost like Jay-Z and Diddy. You knew them as rappers, and they both were successful rappers. Then all of a sudden, they both had these two super successful clothing lines. One was Sean John, one was Rockaware, right? But the difference between me, Diddy, and Jay-Z, when they were at their peak of, of hot, you could drive down Sunset and you would look up and you see Jay-Z on a billboard wearing his own jeans. You'd be in the airport or you'd be in Times Square in New York and look up at a billboard and there's Diddy wearing his jeans. I never did that. I didn't put my face with the product because I knew I would have haters. And people, say there's people out there that don't like me. They wouldn't buy the backpack because I don't like that nigga Alex Thomas. I had to use the Jedi mind trick on people. And when it started to make millions of dollars and it started to blow up, then people started finding out, wait a yeah, now The other a Jedi mind trick, stuff. Alex, the other Jedi mind trick you put was uh, when I asked you what was the price of a backpack. <laughs> what, what does it go for? Uh, man, well, I won't well, even, I won't even, I won't, listen. I might as well have well, gone yeah, into the Versace store in, the, in Caesar's Palace. <laughs> I don't know how much yeah. a Versace makes. B- oh, well, 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 you got to understand. Here's, here's our it's thing. It's high end. When a nigga walks into the Gucci store, do you go, why is that sweater 800? No. When you walk into the, no. Fendi, when you walk into the Fendi and the Louis Vuitton store, uh, hey. you go, why is that backpack $3,500? Alex. We're the only people that question that. No, no, no. I, I don't. I, 
No, what I was like, joking like, so was that said, I couldn't afford it. <laughs> no, 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 no. You're my favorite, but you, you know, you know what I'm, I'm being. I'm being serious. What no. I'm saying is this: it was custom work. Right? right. This is real gator. This is real leather. This is this. This is and, and and the beautiful thing about it is I have the check stubs of of, of a Dr. Dre that spends forty thousand with me. That that you know of a, of a Justin Bieber. That, that over the years has spent two, three hundred thousand with us, you know. The, the, I have these people of that caliber. They understand high end, and it is what it is. It's almost like we always say, we all got watches, but not everybody got an iStyle Rolex. We all got a car, but not everybody has a Lamborghini. We're not knocking you if you can't afford a Lamborghini. We're not looking down on you if you can't afford an iStyle Rolex. We're just saying that's not for you. And you work your way up to that. There's levels to the shit. So with me having to put the word high end and having to look somebody right in their face and say, yes, that backpack is 5000 I knew I wasn't going to be able to talk to my friend. So my <laughs> now, hey, Alex, let me ask you a question. With, given, given the success with that venue, does it, did it enhance your stage presence, your comedy, to say, I can just now be an artist in that venue? How did that work? Did it? Did I'm happy you brought that up. I'm happy you brought that up. First of all, if it hadn't been for my relationships and the success that I had in stand-up comedy and TV and movies, I wouldn't have been able to make millions of dollars in that business. Because at the very beginning, it was all my relationships that got us out in the high-end, rich world before we got to Europe, before we got worldwide, right? Now, me being the stand-up comic, it was... I can tell it was eating up comics. They'd be like, nigga, I heard, I just saw you in a video with Kanye West and Dave Chappelle talking about bags, and you're at the, uh, you're at the Ha Ha tomorrow night. Uh, you're at the, you're doing a show at the, at the, at the, at Maverick Flex, because you're not understanding. I am truly one of those guys that didn't forget where I came from, and I still love the craft of stand-up comedy. The comedy mm -hmm. never stopped with me, and I never No, no, I, I, my jealousy is just boiling up as we speak. I appreciate it. That just, man, it makes you wonder what am I doing with my life, my accessories. I'm, yeah, a, I'm a basketball you, coach. Yeah, you, you have no accessories. <laughs> no, Alex, I, I really thank you for taking the time. I know you're going to get into golf course, and you deserve all of your success. Alex, th hey, yes. I know you got one of them used bags. Let me have it. <laughs> no. Hey, Alex, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Uh, uh, poet, do we have time yeah. to ask him a quick one? Yeah. Okay, I want, she, yeah, you don't have nobody else. <laughs> um, 
I want to ask you a quick question about the Dave Chappelle uh, situation. What's your thoughts on that? And I, I wanted to say something about what uh, Alonzo Bolden said, man. First of all, I came up with Dave from the beginning. His pictures on the Internet, nigga, it looked like we were in third grade together, right? So I've seen this guy's entire career. Um, what bothers me now is now all of a sudden there's the joke police, right? Yeah, they've always been around, but now we're in this politically correct world. I love, I'm trying to give you the long story short because I'm about to get off. I love the fact that that man has stood up for us, our culture, and all of us stand-up comics because it became a fucked-up feeling to have to get on stage and feel like you're on pins and needles. Now, I can understand people that have malicious intent. I can understand when you're saying, you know, real harsh words and, and there's hate behind it. No, man. At the end of the day, it's comedy. You laugh. It's we cannot please everybody. Every time we get on a stage, if there's 100 people in the room tonight at the J-Spot, I could just hope that, that the majority of people like me. That at least 75 people are like, hey, man, that, I might say something to four or five people. I cannot be concerned with the people that don't love and like what I'm saying. Now, now here's the flip side. We understand. I'm going to just use the word they. They run Hollywood now. And that's all, all them alphabets and the letters, Right. So if you want to continue to work, you got to watch what you say because they run it. I love that Dave is so rich and so huge that he can truly say, F you, I've been doing this for 40 years of my life, and all of a sudden you're going to tell me what I can and can't say? F you. And there's nothing you can do about it. What Alonzo Fulton said when he said, um, he said, but, you know, what happens if, if they say it? Instead of, here's the thing. I would say this to Alonzo and I tell you, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Not one of them is as huge as Dave Chappelle. Like, so in other words, yeah, there's probably some transgender comics out there. But their voice, they the voice doesn't have that sting and that hit. It just hits different when you're as huge as Dave is. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. Hey, I wanted so, to... Okay. I'm happy that he said what he said, and I, I, I encourage all comics to say, man, if you think the shit's funny, man, get up there and say it. Hey, I had a quick you question, know, because, hey. because you have kids, and, and you, I guess you can answer it or not. This whole right. vaccine thing, because um, you have kids who are young, would you get them the vaccine? Would you get let them take the vaccine? Uh, I'm going to be honest with you, man. The vaccine thing, I don't, any of my interviews or anything I talk about, that's one thing. I don't talk about because I have a very, very strong opinion on that with me, my family, and my children. And I don't even want it to be taken wrong. Alex Thomas said this, and how did he do that? And da 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 da. All I'm saying is to each his own on the vaccine. And you got to be careful regardless. Come on, man. There's people that have been vaccinated and still died. No, I'm people with you. People that are vaccinated that have still caught the shit. So you can't sit there in my face and go, Oh, because if you're vaccinated, this and that's going to happen. Nope, that's false. Cool. Hey, real quick, uh, who do you who do you miss the most, and who is no longer with you, um, personally or comedic wise? Well, you know, comedically, man. Obviously, I only got to meet him one time, and he's the greatest of all time. He's the greatest to ever touch a mic. He's the greatest. I mean, I wish I could have really been in a room to watch Mr. Richard Pryor. He's the goat. To me, uh, I saw him. At, I saw him perform one time live, and it was six months before he died. And I was at the comedy store, 
and I just really wish that I could have seen him. Um, I heard uh, um, Alonzo bring up two names, which are great. I was very cool with uh, Patrice O'Neal, and he was super, super funny. And he was super, super clever, and I appreciated his com- comedy. And also, um, I mean, I, I mean, I can go on and on, but, you know, really, you know, Bernie Mac and also Paul Mooney, they were, they were legends. Uh, they made their mark in this game, and I feel like all those guys will be never, ever forget, but always forgot about, but always miss, because they made a staple in this game before us. Well, thank you, man. Thank you. You have a great uh, uh, game today, man. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate that, man. Take care. Yes, Be safe. Sir. And Buddy Lewis, is Buddy Lewis still there? Yes, he of is. Of course I am. Buddy Lewis, yes, what sir. time tonight? Uh, two shows, brother. Eight. 10:30. So get there when you when you get there. Just get there around 8:30 right. or so. I look forward to seeing you. We're gonna have some fun tonight. I'll me, see you, man. you. I love you both, man. It's gonna be me, you, Derek Ellis, Delay. Uh, we gonna have some fun. Absolutely. All right. Okay, see you tonight. I love you both, man. Thanks right. for having me. All right, Thank man. You. Bye. All right, that was nice, your buddy. We got someone else who I know you're gonna love. He's lined up, uh, Mr. George Wallace. Oh God. Uh, um, George Wallace, you there? Okay. Uh, he got that cheap ass phone. Huh? Unmute your mic, George. Yeah. Un- unmute your mic, George Wallace. Look at your old ass. <laughs> that's, that's Buddy Lewis calling you that. Yeah, you damn right. Hey, we can't unmute your mic. We can't hear you, George. Can Unmu- nobody? Can nobody hear you? Unmute your mic. Maybe if you talk about his mama, his mic will come on. Unmute your mic. <laughs> That's, 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 okay, we can hear you chewing. I know you can hear me chewing now. Listen, I'm old, so I don't know how to do this new technology stuff. I don't know what happened there, but I'm here with you. Buddy Lewis called me old because he knows we're born on the same day. You know? <laughs> hey, uh, George, what's that backdrop? Is that Atlanta behind you? That is not Atlanta. Take another look at it, son. There's only one park like that in America. Buddy Lewis, tell him what that is. That is Central Park, New York City. I'm at home in my house. Okay, oh. he's in New York. Oh, okay. But I can't see the are picture. Are you in George. New York or are you at? Oh, you you live in New York. I live in New York. I live in Los Angeles. I live in Atlanta, and I live in Las Vegas, Nevada. I live where the hell I want to live. Well, that's fair. Uh, I'm mean. I'm old and mean. <laughs> well, you're also a graduate of University of Akron, Ohio. Is that true? That's right. That's where LeBron James was born. Also, uh, Steph Curry was also born in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm both of their daddies. I'm both of their daddies. <laughs> well, first of all, George, I want to thank you for taking the time. to. Um, I know you're busy. Because when I called, when I sent George a text, he said that he was, uh, his, his baby's mama was delivering a baby. baby. No, I didn't. I said my mom was having a baby. Oh, your mama. mama. My mom was having a baby, you talk yes. about You talking about Miss Mary Lou? You miss Mary Lou? May Lou. Come on, get it. Sir. She we giving, the country, man. Who's she giving May- birth to? Benjamin Buttons? Man, <laughs> and, no, May, May Lou and, 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 and George Sr., they're having a baby, huh? They're having a baby, yes, 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 yes. And we don't know what it is. They're a boy or girl because it's a new day, and they got a new thing called gender. You got to wait and let the, let the baby decide what it wants to be. <laughs> that's, that, that's funny you say that because that's what my daughter said when I asked her if her and her partner were having a baby and if they were going to have a boy or girl. She says, we, we, don't, we don't go with gender, Dad. Mm, listen was, to me. I, talk, I heard that. I heard that, uh, uh, and I'm going like, what are you talking about? I'm just going, well... It's a new day. It's re- it really is a new day, is it not? Yes, it is. It, it, it is. And 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 how how has that adjustment been for you? Because you've never really been a comic that says things that you shouldn't say. You've always just said funny things. Well, I try to say funny things. I think that is my job is to say funny things. If I do say something uh, that's social 
wise, I should end it with a joke. Mm-hmm. And that gets me out of anything. So I'm not too, uh, I'll never embarrass anybody. Let's put it like that. Yeah, because you, you, you come from an era where, I mean, man, you, you were coming up with Jerry Seinfeld and, I mean, these David Letterman. I mean, these guys were, all of you guys were at the top of your game. How did you fit in with that group? Because it wasn't too many African-Americans doing, I mean, on those circuits with those guys. Did you feel well, it wasn't that group. It was us. You know, Seinfeld and I started together in uh, 1976. And uh, to this day, we're still best friends after 45 years. Matter of fact, I just got off the phone with him. But when we grew up, we only had like three channels. Buddy might know about this. And so <laughs> we were we were strict to have, um, did you call it clean um, comedy? Yeah, yeah. Because, you because your goal was to get on The Tonight Show. Yep. Got it. That was a good with Johnny one. Carson, okay? Okay. So I accomplished that goal, but I did find something later. Johnny Carson didn't really care for us. Really? You, oh, 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 okay. He didn't really care for us. No, you think about a Red Fox. I think Red Fox never hosted the show. I think he was on only like one time, and he came because he was shooting next door. He came on and just walked on the set as a guest spot. Mm-hmm. But if you look over, only most of the blacks that he had on had to have Eddie Murphy because Eddie Murphy was a part of NBC, okay? Got it. But if you look back in the day, why the hell would Red Fox not be on the show? Right, yes. Red Fox was in the number one show. I was with Shirley Hemphill when she went to do the show. What's happening was the number one show on TV with ABC, and she got bumped by some other. And Shirley uh, Hemphill said, I was there with her. She said, fuck Johnny Carson, and walked out. But at the time, I did not know that. But now that I've, after living for a while, you learn people say he really didn't care for y'all. And if you look through history, you see, you know, of course, uh, Richard Pryor was on, of course, uh, um, Bill Cosby and Sammy Davis Jr. because yes, they were a part of the clique. They were already big shots. So they came in. But as far as young black comedians, name one, um, uh, Eddie Murphy is the only one who went over to the bench. Uh, um, Franklin John may have gone over later. Yes. But it was kind of like Joe. It was a, it was a, a black man with white hair named... Joe White, I think his name was, and it was Johnny Carson's favorite singer. He would never bring him over to the sofa. Wow. Yep. Now, you, you, were, I understand, it, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were Jerry Seinfeld's best man at his wedding, right? Well, I, I, I'm actually the real George. I was Jerry's roommate for 13 years. I'm the, the George that was his real roommate. And that's right, I was best man in his wedding, and I'm the father of his kids. So, so, uh, so, I, <laughs> so <laughs> wait a minute, hold up. You and Jerry Seinfeld were roommates for 13 years. Yes. So this is yes, why sir. you guys were grinding. So you you guys were struggling. Well, for lack of a better word. Well, we never. Um, I never struggled because I was always into money. I was a uh, before uh, a comedian. I was vice president of the world's largest outdoor advertising agency, and I'm looking at my window right now down Times Square. All of the billboards, all of the spectacles at billboard, uh, all the spectacles at Times Square, all the 5,000 buses in New York City. I was vice president of uh, that company, Douglas Lee. And uh, so I've always made money, but my ultimate goal since six years old was wanting to be a comedian. And I never thought about it. I just knew I was going to do fine in it and uh, never thought about going to being on top of the mountain. I just wanted to be Basically, I just wanted to work Las Vegas and conquer that city, and I did it. Oh, so, you did that? Oh, yeah. You Now, now I was told, uh, I don't even know, maybe it might have been by you, the fact that your advertising background came in handy when you did a residency in Vegas. Yes, I did. Uh, well, I knew how to um, advertise. I know how to go in and, and say to the advertising companies, I'm going to buy six boards, and you're going to, uh, why don't you give me six? Uh, because people will follow my patterns. I'm the first one in Las Vegas to put five trucks back to back to back to back to back to back going down the street. 
And people say, why the hell would you put all those trucks back to back to back to back to back going down the street? I said, you asked about it, didn't you? So wow. I create that awareness and that attention there. So people follow my pattern. I know a lot about advertising. I know they have empty boards and I know how to deal with them and uh, ask for bonus uh, 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 boards. Uh, if you came to Las Vegas back in the day, I had more billboards in Las Vegas than anybody. Yes, you anybody, did. Any, any, any hotel, any group. And so I made Las Vegas. I had to go and I had to walk the streets. I had to talk to the timeshares. Your name doesn't get you over in Las Vegas. You've got to know the business. You've got to know timeshares. You got to know the ticket brokers. You got to know um, the, the community, and especially as an African American, I'm still old, so I say black. You know, you can't a black act cannot survive in Las Vegas unless you, unless you have a crossover. Right. And it's been proven many many times. And uh, and and I worked the city. And I was there, I went there for 30 days, six days, 90 days, and I wound up being there for 10 years on the first run. And um, and then I went back in 2018, I worked for another three years until the COVID hit us. So I worked Las Vegas, I've done more shows in Las Vegas than any African-American, that includes Red Fox, Summer Davis Jr., Dana Ross. Uh, I'm, I broke a record, so I'm proud to, to do that. And like I say, I didn't work for the hotels, I owned the shows. Oh, okay. And, and that, how does, does it, has mm. things changed advertising wise? I'm sure they have with the modern day comics. And is it, you see them being able to do it a different way? Is it better? Is it worse? Or wh where, where does that fall? It's a combination of all, you know, it's something I'm old school. And so we basically had the billboards. We had radio and television. Ah, that doesn't get it now. I'm so proud of the young comedians and I should be doing more, but I've worked and I made a lot of money. I'm very comfortable. I should be doing more and I will start to do more. You gotta do that social media. You know, I got a book out about tweeting. I should take my tweeting and just go straight to uh, Instagram and or TikTok. And I love them both. I love them both. It's a new way, it's a new day. You take guys you don't even know, like uh, Country Wayne down in Georgia. These people are, these guys are packing places out and nobody right. knows who they are except right. you're on social media. You know? right. right, but people say in the, in the comedy world, we say what I've heard, is that these guys can pack the room, but they can't really entertain for 45 to an hour and 10 or 15. That they're That's action. what you've heard. They couldn't when they first started, but guys like uh, Country Wayne, he's holding his own. You grow into it. Once you, uh, your market is there for you. So people like us, we know comedy when we see it. Mm -hmm. But some of the new comedians, they don't, they're not necessarily into jokes like we were. They will tell stories about their lives. They may do, they may get one laugh, um, well, let's take, uh, I'm not, I don't want to bring his name up, but let's take, just take Dave Chappelle uh, as a great example. Okay. He might have one laugh in a, in, a, in a minute. Okay. And with a social media, social stance where you got a guy like me and you and Buddy, we're trying to have a laugh every, at least every 20 seconds. Right. That's right. our school, you know? Got it. Now, but so, so but it's, all, it, it's a different system today. The young kids are doing it differently. Some are doing it with the same formula we have, but... Uh, uh, there's a new technique that they're doing, and, and sometimes we look back and we'll go, "What the hell are they talking about?" Right, right. exactly. Now you've turned. I've heard that you've turned a lot, of, like certain sitcoms. You you've turned down because you didn't want to travel, so you're that comfortable. Comfortable, excuse me. I'm very comfortable. I do it. I did it my way. I'm blessed, you know. Like I said, my ultimate goal when I started as a comedian, I wanted to work Las Vegas, and uh, and I went there and I did it, and I and uh, you know. I, I, at the Flamingo, 750 seats every night. We didn't sell out every night, but man, we did very, very well as a young uh, entertainer. And I brought in people, I broke some rules. Not, I didn't break rules, but I 
created monster shows. Like I'm the first person to have, uh, you guys might be able, you might be old enough to remember Sly and the Family Stone. Oh, oh yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course, I had him for first time in 26 years on a stage. He was at my show in Las Vegas and you can go online and find it if you like to George Wallace, Sly and the Family Stone with George Wallace. The original group, everybody, Cynthia on the Horns, wow. I have it in Las Vegas. And the Incredible. odds were 40 to one that they would not show up. Did you bet on it? Did you bet on it, George? Hell no. I, I knew, hey, listen. Because you know Sly. But buddy, buddy, I knew he was there because I brought him in. I had to have all the switch and all the rooms for the band. But he was still late. He was still 20 minutes late coming to the stage. <laughs> hey, buddy. People were walking out with people going, this is bullshit. You know, I'm, I'm going to the show, but I'm smart enough. I open this show, right? Because that's flying up on the stump. And so people walking out, I'm going, uh, so let me do another 20 minutes until he comes downstairs. So people walking out, at least 10 people going, that's some bullshit. I knew it was some bullshit. I knew he wouldn't show. But when he walked out on that stage, the place went crazy. And people were crying. His kids were crying because he hadn't been on stage in 26 years. That was wow. after they did the Grammys. Remember, he did the Grammys. And he mm -hmm. had the blonde hair the blonde. and he walked off and people were going, what was that all about? Right. Mm -hmm. But he did my show. He I came to your show, George. Original song. You came, uh, I know you I've been, you I've been to your show several times. Yeah, uh, I went to Greatest, show, yeah. greatest. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, they talk about Cirque du Soleil and all that BS out there. But George Wallace's show was incredible. Oh, yeah. It was incredible. And I mean. Thank you. I, I had a ball in there. I I, I one night I I because I came several times, George. I mean one night I I was I was like, that's all right. I'm finna get it started. I started right. talking about, hey, shut up, George, your mama. George went off for the <laughs> next <laughs> for the next 30 minutes. Hey, buddy, buddy, I was good then, but if you do it now, man, I'm gonna be stuck, man. You can you can You a lie, George Wallace, you you are so talented, man. Right. That you you ain't gonna never be stuck when it comes to comedy, bro. Now, I, I've watched you do it. I'm trying because after this COVID thing, I'm sitting around now. You know, I, I, I watch a lot of TV now. I get, I'm learning a lot. And I have a love-hate relationship with people that have a job better than mine. Hilarious. You know, like, like Judge Judy. I'm pissed. You know, I, I just wake up sometimes. <laughs> I just get pissed at her. She's mad for no reason at all. But I'm going, man, it's $47 million a year. That's a pretty good job. You can be pissed exactly. at her. Exactly. Right? Wow. And I talk a little bit about her. And another guy that has a great job is the guy that works for her, Bird, right? Right. Bird. This I know Bird. <laughs> He don't do a damn. He came to my show, man. He don't do a damn thing. He just went, all right. And then, and then he walks over and takes the paper and takes it to Judge Judy and he takes it right back over. That's so funny. Now, and there's some black people. There's some black people angry at Judge Judy right now because she has a new show and she didn't bring Bird along. And I said, you guys shouldn't be mad. Bird has been working for what is it, 25 years? 25 years. years. Yeah. yeah. So he's made a lot of money. And you know, show business, they make changes out there. And sometimes it's not Judge Judy's decision. It could be, sometimes they want freshness on the show. Right. And now, the ageism still plays a game, trust me. Right. Now, George, I wanted to ask you, because I, I read something. Now, Ask me anything, because I talk too much, man. I won't no, talk no, anymore No, 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 you can talk. No, but I was going to ask you in reference to the mama jokes, because I know, unfortunately, uh, that you lost your mom when you were 16 years old. Is that a... Part of why you you can you're so into that, just having fun with mamas and and that perspective of it. How does how does that does that Let's connect? Let's make one thing perfectly clear. My mom died at 16 years old because I was late for school and she woke me up and she was whipping me and said, "Get up, get up, get up!" And I shot her. No. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, I swear to God, I am. This
this is so much fun talking to you two guys because you know all I do is lie. I just make up stuff, man. Yeah. I just love to lie. So you know when I shot my mom, my dad was pissed off. My dad was pissed off, so I had to shoot him too. But let me tell you something. The mama jokes is when I grew up in Atlanta, Georgia. That was what you had. To I don't do. know where that come from. You, you mentioned the word bullying. Mm-hmm. I think bullying made back in my day. I think that made us stronger than we ever were. Just made us a strong kid growing up because. If you had anything wrong with you, if you had a different look, mm-hmm. they're going to be on your ass in school. It doesn't matter, you know? <laughs> right. And then they talk about your mom. And I love talking about the desert. And uh, oh. it, it's just, I just, I was good at it. And I was, when, when they started, see, Arsenio Hall and I started it back on his show. And I was already into it. And I said, oh. And so we just went crazy. And then Will Smith said something about my mama. Then Will Smith came on the show one day. I was there and I said, and Will Smith is here talking about my mama. And Will Smith is going. <laughs> she, she was she was there with him oh his mom <laughs> yeah. that's even like, better i never will forget i said will smith your mama teeth are so crooked she got a job at home depot making keys <laughs> <laughs> and i said oh, oh i'm sorry that you acted. then i think i said something talk to him that's weird. that's when i come up with the joke i'm your real daddy will or something like that Oh to my this God! Day, his mom and I are good friends, but I love the dozen. They call it the dozen. They call it Jonah. You guys know it and, exactly. Uh, and I studied it, and then you. Uh, when we started, buddy, it was basically the same jokes everybody had. But in this day and era, we had to get new. Yeah, we had to, we had to come and, and create it. Like, and George, I thought you know what, man, I I originally thought that was something you did because it was something that happened when you worked clubs in the hood. Right. You know, you get hecklers. Right. You know, people would heckle you. And I thought I thought George had proficiently become, you know, good at that from being heckled. And I was like, man, George is just freaking hilarious right. with it. You know what I mean? <laughs> he's just he's just good with it. I, you know, you and man, when you and God dang J. Anthony Brown used to Ooh. go, oh Ooh. man, oh I, hey bro, listen, one day, man, y'all were going at it on the radio. I was driving in I was in D.C. It was like homecoming weekend in D.C. I had to pull over. <laughs> I had to pull over. Down, see, buddy, was, buddy, hmm? buddy, let me write that joke down because that's a good joke. People saying stupid stuff. Yeah, people will come up and say stupid stuff like that. I had to pull over. You know damn well your ass didn't pull over. Yes, I did. <laughs> I pulled over, George, because I was laughing and I was about to run into the back of these people. I pulled over, dude. I sat there because I and, and, and the radio was sketchy, so I didn't want to miss. Right, 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 right. Well, we we enjoyed that, and to this day, Jay was just up here visiting me in New York last week, and to this day, we we're best friends, and people say yes. they think we don't like each other, and sometimes we write, we tell each other what to say about each other's mama. Right, you know? right. Wow. And uh, and, I, and I did my last best joke at the end. I'm gonna do it again this year. You know, I like to go Christmas shopping for Jay's mom. And I didn't know what to get her, but I did know she likes the outdoors. She likes uh, camping and hiking and stuff like that. So I didn't know what to do. So I went down to that sporting goods store. There's one called, uh, is Rick's? Is it Rick's Sporting Goods? No, it's, it's Dick's. It's Dick's. It, Dick's, that's the one, Dick's. She loved Dick's. Let me tell you something. Mama, you, if, you, if you can't find anything, you just get, you can't bring a, a bag with Dick's on it, a bag of Oh my God, his mama loved anything from Dick's. You just get a Dick's, man. Just go down there. It's an extended bit, but you know, you have to continue to uh, to rewrite and write jokes to uh, now, of the day. when you gonna be day. back in LA, George? Um, 
I'm coming to LA. I, I, I have a new show I'm putting together now with Norman Lear. Norman okay. is 99 years old, and we just wow. uh, we got a new deal with Sony. Okay. And, I, you know, like I said, I never wanted to do TV. I never wanted to be in movies or anything like that. I just got it because it came along the way. But now that I've experienced, I'm going to do a TV show, and it's called Clean Slate with Norman Lear. And it's Incredible. about, I wanted, to, I wanted to reboot Sanford and Son. I just okay. really wanted to hear the music. Me, Sanford and Son. See, so said hysterical. Well, I, hey, so I want to be Grady. So I'm, 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 I'm when, you, when you do it, man, I want to be Grady. I want to be well, Grady. Grady. So, well, Grady's dead. So you'll be Grady. Well, I'll be Lamont, your son. Yeah, my son. Well, um, let me tell you what's happening. So we decided, and I had a meeting with Norman. He said, no, you can't do that. Do you, do you. So I was having dinner with a friend of mine. And uh, he has two kids and two twins, right? A boy and a girl. But the boy never identified as a boy hmm. from day one. And I was telling Dan, I said, oh, my. I said, um, well, you got to love that kid no matter what, Dan. You just, that's, that's still your kid, be it whatever. And the kid knew that he was a girl. He's always identified as that. And a light bulb went off in my head, a light, whatever, went off in my head. What if I had a son that uh, uh, that grew up and went left home like most kids leave home for a parent of child abuse or drugs or whatever, went to New York for 30 years, came back, knocked on my door, said, dad, it's me. I said, me who? He says, um, it's, it's me. And uh, turned out to be my uh, son had transgendered into a, a, a lady. And wow. that is Laverne Cox. So oh. we're going to have some fun. Oh, that's going to oh, be, that's that's gonna be great. So, that's going to be great. So as an old man, I've got to be educated just like Red Fox going, and I, first of all, I slammed the door in the face. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know all the things a negative black man would do because a black man back in the, in the, in the, in the, in the hey. 50s would what? His oh, job was you just got the, put, you, hey, you, you, everybody had that old uncle that had no filter. Yes. No exactly. filter. Exactly. That's who I am. And I just, Love because it. I'm old and I, I'm from Mobile, Alabama, that's where the setting is. Mm -hmm. and, and it's like, uh, it's, I don't understand. I need to be educated. Right. Because America needs to be educated. For sure. Uh, and, 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 and eventually she was into the house. And we got to talk about different things. And I had to learn how to love her and appreciate who she is for what she is. Mm. We even have a jar, a tip jar in the, in, the, in the house. Every time I call her a him, I got to put a dollar in the jar. And the jar just fills up. But as, I, as we live, <laughs> That's it starts freaking to hilarious. That's, that is... we started. And guess what? We're going to take it to the black church. Oh, Mm. And people are going, you know, my name is, uh, my real name is Henry, so that's a character name. And people in the church are going, I didn't know Henry had a daughter. <laughs> Henry, didn't know, Henry, didn't, Henry didn't know he had a daughter either. Wow. <laughs> I'm wow. going to have her running for mayor. She may not become mayor, but uh, she's, at least she creates the awareness in the city. A lot of people need to be educated, but, you know, right. kids left home for drugs. So we're going to tackle a lot of problems. What's going on in America hey, today? Hey. And, Watch this, Lewis. Hey, ain't nobody care about that shit, George. Listen, I have a show at the J Spot uh, every Friday night. <laughs> I need you to come do it. <laughs> Listen, man, not only do I not like J, I don't like you, or I don't even like J. I don't like DJ Spot. One thing about DJ Spot, I don't know. <laughs> but they got some good fried fish over there. It's some good fried fish at the J Spot. Yes, sir. Let me tell you that. Yeah, they do. Yes, they do. So, buddy, when I come to town, I will definitely come over to the J Spot. Man, I, I look forward to you, man. You, you, we gonna, we gonna let you come down there and 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 do thing. You ain't gonna thing. let me do nothing. I'm gonna, I own the place. Remember, it's got Jay's name on it. I'm coming here, and guess what? Okay. Yes. Guess what, Lewis? Yes. I still got my yellow pad. Oh, do you? Hey, oh, I have oh, mine too. Yeah, I have shit. mine too. I see you. I see you. Yeah, I have and I mine tell you too. what, we got to talk about this too. You know, I wrote a book. I have a new book called oh. A Boat Trip. 
Oh, okay. You know that bull twit and whatnot. So I'm in the Twitter world, and um, I'm pretty big in the Twitter world. I was voted the top 25 funniest tweeters in the world by Rolling Stone magazine. Yes. So you need to go online, go on, go online and follow me at Mr. George Wallace. It's about little things that I, I teach people to educate, mm -hmm. educate people. I and it's stupid it. things off my head. Like I'm teaching people today, little things I think about. Like, you know, did you ever think about had President Lincoln gone to the Chevy Theater, he'd still be alive today? Little <laughs> things like that, you know. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy, buddy, buddy. Yes, sir. Buddy, we were so poor in Atlanta. These things are in the book. Little things about we were so poor uh -huh. when we grew up. Uh, my dog could only afford one rabies. That's all he had. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't plural. It was rabbi. <laughs> we were you know, a rabbi. Rabbi. One rabies. We were so poor. <laughs> Lewis, watching television in Atlanta, we were so poor, we could only get Sanford. We never knew there was a son. Somebody mentioned son. We never knew that. That's all. We, never, we, we knew about Gladys Knight. Nothing. No, nothing about <laughs> Pip. Pip. Hey, George, I wanted to, it's, it's something interesting about you that I've noticed, and it's, it's personal, I'm sure it's with everyone else, but you just, you always embrace us, and it seems like he does that with all the comics. Like, everyone has your real phone number, you respond, and is that something you just, that's who you are, or because someone did that for you? Why, why, what is, why is that a part of who you are? Uh, that goes back to George and Mary Lou Wallace. We're real people. I just love people. And you know, my job is to make people happy. When I see happy people, it makes me happier. I, um, I, don't, I just love people. And I, and I think it's easier to be nice than it is to be nasty. Uh, 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 I just love people, man. So when I, I meet you guys, we're on the same team. There's not that many committees. There's a lot of committees now, but this little fraternity that we're in is, man, it's, it's pretty tight and it's pretty rough, as you can see what go what happens to us. So mm -hmm. when I meet people in my college class and my peers, I consider you guys my peers. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, if you're doing good and you love what you do, man, I'm living my dream right now. You know that? Oh, sure. I'm living my dream. And I tell you what, if I never get, God has blessed me so much, so, so abundantly so. I mean, if he never does another thing, you've heard that phrase. I mean, I'm good, man. Well, I, I wanted good. to say uh, thank you because it, it means a lot to me. I mean, because we were just grinding and someone like George Wallace would take the time to call, say hi, and actually mean Talk it. Talk to you. Yeah, yeah. so I, I'm Oh, I'm getting ready to hang up, though. I'm no, getting ready I'm... to hang up. <laughs> 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 uh, well, before your I let you- Your time, before your time I... is wilding up, right? <laughs> okay, hey, you know I ain't, you know I ain't got nothing to do. You know I'm lying. I ain't got a damn thing to do. Before I let you go, I wanted to know <laughs> what your thoughts were on the whole Dave Chappelle Netflix thing. <clears throat> I don't have I don't I don't have a thought. You know what? I'll let it go because it doesn't matter. I can't piss anybody off by it. my my thought on that is I think if you make people happy, you do everything and you make people happy. That's my job is to do everything with a joke. And I love Dave uh, uh, Chappelle. I think he's one of the best of all time. He's up there on the list. You know, name wise, he's bigger than Richard Pryor. Mm -hmm. With this new market that he has, you know. Right. Okay. Now you knew uh -huh. Richard Pryor, right? Yeah. You wrote you you wrote with on Sanford and Son and and during that period with Richard Pryor and all of them, right? Uh, well, I wrote on Sanford. Son. Fred Sanford, uh, Red Fox had a show after Sanford and Son for ABC. It was called the Red Fox so, Hour. The Red Fox. Okay. And, uh, so I wrote on that show. I did not write with the with the Richard and Paul. But you knew all of those guys, right? How was I that generation? All. Like George Carlin and all of them. 
George Carlin, he might be this, one of the smartest comics. I'll tell you what you do. I, I, George Carlin had a book called Brain Droppings. Brain Droppings. I think I read about four pages and I just put it down because if you think you got a new subject matter, a joke, don't read that book. Because he's he's done it. Oh, really? Uh, oh, Mr. George Wallace is going to write a joke. Why do they always say operators are standing by? They're not standing by, they're sitting. It's in the book. Okay. It's in the book. <laughs> he, so, he hit every subject, man. George Carlin was amazing. So genius. being around those guys, and especially like Richard Pryor, that was a group at the Comedy Store. You guys know them. That was a group at the Comedy Store. Richard Pryor, Sam Kennison, Robin Williams, and mm. a whole other group like that. They always hung out in the back of the Comedy Store. Mm -hmm. I have never hung out with, with I've never been in influence uh, uh, anywhere around drugs. If you got drugs, I'm gone, Okay. Uh -huh. There was another group in front of the store, Dave uh, Letterman, Seinfeld, Leno, uh, Gary Shandling. Uh, we didn't do it. So that was the front of the store crowd and the back of the store crowd. So I just never got to, uh, I'm pretty sure I could have been closer to Richard, but I just didn't want to get involved in the drugs. Good for never you. did it. I don't even like getting drunk, you know? Good for you. Well, I, mean, I really appreciate you taking the time. Uh, I, I asked the question of people um, that uh, famous people you would like to have dinner with. Uh, anyone that you would that's gone that you would like to sit down? Sure, with? I'll have dinner with you, uh, George. <laughs> I, I definitely was gonna sit, but he's gonna take his ass, take his ass to Chick Fil A and get him a chicken sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> as long as I get some Polynesian you know, sauce, I, I'm so blessed. I, I knew Muhammad Ali. I, I think I was still like to. Now you're talking mm. about a great comedian. No, People, either Muhammad. anyone, anyone, comedian, uh, uh, historian, you know, historical. No, person. no, I'm talking about. I'm talking about uh, Muhammad Ali. He's a great guy that I wish I could. Funny, uh, uh, and I did know him. Mm -hmm. uh, and he was just as nice, nicer than me. He would talk to anybody. And um, so I would like to have dinner with him. Uh, uh, who else? Uh, I haven't eaten with Trevor Noah yet as in okay. the young school. I'd like to meet and, and, and have dinner with him okay. coming from South Africa. Uh, hmm. I know Oprah. Uh, man, I, was I had a name in my head three days ago. I just forgot it. But <laughs> if I could, Dr. Martin Luther King, of course, Dr. Right. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm from Atlanta. I was at his funeral. Oh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. What was that like, being at his funeral? That was amazing. And we just found a photo of me at the funeral. Somebody was telling me, I said, you know, I was at that funeral. I was across the street. I was sitting on a pole. It wasn't a telephone pole, but it was next to the pole. And everybody was like, you weren't at that damn funeral. I'm going, yes, I'm from Atlanta. My aunt lived across the street from Dr. King on Auburn Avenue. And so we were looking at all these photos, and I said, that's that person, that's that person. And somebody had a shot because, you know, the photographers, I didn't know they were shooting outward from inside the church. Right. Boom, they showed me the picture and I couldn't, I couldn't talk for a minute. I was crying. I'm going like, wow, that's me on the pole. Wow. That's wow. Me. You started on the pole way back then? <laughs> Amazing, George, because I can't even show in Vegas you was on the pole too. You are you are a regular just super. I, I didn't know you had been doing the pole that long, George. Hey, Lewis. Yes. Lewis, let me tell you something about comedians. I don't give a damn who gets to laugh. That shit is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care who gets to laugh. I'm the one taking the check home. Now, let me tell you something. <laughs> hey, hey, buddy. Yes, buddy, sir. You're still on the pole. You're still on the pole. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, George, shaking that ass, George. <laughs> hey, George. I, I, I truly appreciate you taking the time, and I hope I can call you back so again. Shaking that ass. <laughs> show, me, show me what you're working with. Oh yeah, so many things. I got taking the time. I'm sitting here writing jokes now. I got to do uh, a showdown, and uh, well, I got to do television in a few minutes. But the Black News Channel. 
Uh, but I'm writing jokes now about so many things that happened in the last year. I got to make this funny because so many changes have happened, you know, uh, with, the, right. with the with the uh, pandemic and my, 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 my grooming is terrible. But you should see my feet. My feet are jacked up. So I got to go to Home Depot and get some sandpaper <laughs> and chisel and a jackhammer on my feet but on the other hand uh in the Sander. last few months <laughs> you know a man a man has had a baby in the last year and i just think all of that is just so cool man so i'm mm. make jokes about all of this stuff you know Hysterical. well we're gonna appreciate reading um at, at mr george wallace can you hold the book up one more time for us i got the book the book is called boats with go online it's georgewallace.net georgewallace.com any of them mm-hmm. you will find boats with get the book and it's coming directly to me. I did not do Amazon this time because, as you know, Amazon is, takes half your money. But I decided, let me try it this way. And I also have uh, 50% off on the second book if you uh, laugh at all. It's so important to keep laughter in your life, okay? Hey, George, if I buy those books, you going to sign them for me when you come to L.A.? Hell no. You know I can't write my name. Just put an X. <laughs> That's your name. <laughs> Hey, thank you so much, George, for joining us in In the Man's World, man. Appreciate it. Love you. I love you, George Wallace. George Wallace says, I love you, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. See ya. See you later. Wow. You're too nice. All right, George. Hey, we're still on? Yeah. Hey, man, let's do this again. I appreciate you so much. I will, definitely. I'll love George Wallace. We will. will. (laughs) Wow. Wow. Um, oh, that fool's crazy. So uh, <laughs> that is that is that was great. I mean, Alonzo Bolden. Um, what did Alex you have Thomas me here for, Lewis? With all this talent, what did you what did you bring me well, here? Well, let me be honest with you. I'm glad you brought that up because we used to do a show called In a Man's World, and it was. Um, so Chris just said, "Give him five minutes." Chris Spencer is going to call in. Oh, so, um, God. but no, what happened was it used to be um, TDP and Jeff Arnold. Right. So we used to have in a man's world. Okay. So what happened was we were doing it here and then we got in our feelings and thought we were better and left mm-hmm. and things just went downhill. Right. So then we begged to come back. And so we, she let us back pro with us, And I was like, great. So then I checked with TDP and Jeff say, Hey, let's go. We're doing it. And they said, no, we don't want to do it. Oh, so, so, so you like ice cube with NWA, you left all the, <laughs> yeah. So I, I start thinking of who, I start thinking of talent that I could call, oh, and Lord then I'm Jesus. like, it it takes. I mean, so and I'm making could, all the dough. So no, no, no. So I was thinking I was going to ask you afterwards like, if this is something you would be welcome to do, and we do it every Friday, eleven to one. Okay. So I would love for you to replace them because everybody's replaceable. I hey man, hey uh, listen, that is uh, in the NFL and the uh, NBA. You find that out every week when somebody gets hurt. That right. somebody got stepping. And there. and both of them are more than welcome to come back. But I would love for you to, and then you would stay. And then I don't think you know Jeff. I don't know Jeff has no reason not to come. <laughs> Jeff has no reason not to come, so I don't understand. But he did text me and say, "Hey, good luck. I hope he reconsiders because that would be great hysterical. with Jeff, me, and you." And you I'm, know, I'm not even gonna mess with that, Lewis. You are too. Funny. No, we're this is an amazing world. We're just honest about about <laughs> our, our 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 what we can do and what we because men need to hear. It's a lot of men out there who don't hear real conversations that men have. This is true. You know, and and, and you know, uh, Lewis, I would I would. Uh, I, I, you know what? We're gonna talk about that. that okay. That, that, that's I'm gonna I'm gonna consider that very highly. But I just have a lot of uh, I have some road dates and things, and so I want to be honest that you know my 
my situation is. Well, you know, we, we'll we'll mark you know. out the dates. You can be okay. at, and then because Dan and Green is on standby. Oh, please. And he's listen. You, know, you he's can not do better. That, yeah, I know. I know. And it's certain people who I'm thinking about. Man, but how you have a master's degree and still sound dumb? I know Dan and Green tries, man. But you know, it was you know what it was. He fell into that hole when he did Popeye's Chicken. He yeah. thought it was a rap. Yeah, he thought he was gonna be super. He thought he was gonna be like. Uh, uh, what's the girl from Progressive? He thought he was gonna be the Chicken Man. <laughs> no, he, he told me that. He said that chicken, he was gonna be the spokesperson, but then they found the girl. Mm, mm, the girl mm. took his place because at first he was he, he was Chicken Boy. He was Chicken Man. He was he doing was, a he few. Was he was Chicken Man. And then so, I love Danny, man. If Danny, if you hear any of this, I'm messing with you, man. Don't be calling me all in your feelings, all right? Well, you know, sometimes the whole no, thing. I was gonna be Biscuit Boy, and then they made me. And, and you, you shut up, Buddy Lewis. I was, I was gonna be Mister Mister Poppin' Shit, Mr. Poppin' Chicken. I was gonna be Mister Chef Danny. Now he's one of you. What well, you got? You, he's my friend, brother. You, you, oh, and you group of guys who golf, right? Yeah, I golf with Danny. Yeah, Danny yeah. is my pigeon. Oh, so he's not that. Oh, uh, Danon, you know, uh, Danon will say, "I beat Buddy." Listen, man, let me tell you something. I am the gold standard in comedy golf. Really? Because now my my, I mean, Chris Spencer went down to Memphis. He had a show. Yes. And he played with my brother. Yeah. And he learned what real golfers were. Yeah. He, they, he probably caught a little ass whooping. Yeah. I, it, listen, like I said, man, you know, there are a few comments. Like I've 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 recently, you know had some struggles because, you know, as you get older, your game changes a little bit. So all these little Johnny-come-lately-ass comics who learn how to play golf, you know, I'll beat Buddy Lewis. Of course, I'm going through some swing changes right now. So, you know, hey, you, you, Tiger Woods don't win them all, bro. Like Juan Polk, why is Juan? Uh, listen, man, there's only about, there are only about three of them that can say, you know what, I'm, I'm, there are only about four or five of them that are really, really good. Now, who is that? Out of the four or five people that I know play golf that are really, really good, mm -hmm. Flex Alexander is really good. Okay. Uh, Andre Covington is very good golfer. Okay. All the rest of them are me or less. Okay. 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 And then there's me. Okay. That's it. Now, now all of them will talk all this trash about I could be, but listen, listen, listen. On any given day, you know, any given Sunday, you know, you can lose. Ask the ask, ask the ask the Kansas City Chiefs what happened last week. They got their ass towed down. Right now, I also I don't know if you heard mm -hmm. uh, Alonzo Bolden, but he said something that threw me. Mm -hmm. He talked about getting good advice from Speedy and Cedric the Entertainer. And I'm like, how can that be in the same voice? I I don't I don't I don't <clears throat> know what he was referring to, and you know the context of what he got information on. Speedy. Now, if Speedy was given information. On children, uh, how to either raise or avoid them, right? Uh, then Speedy is definitely a source of 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 a wealth, a, a dearth of information. Now, my understanding is Speedy lost weight. Um, some, some, because he's been on this book tour with Jamie. Uh, uh, what? Uh, it wasn't a cookbook. No, Jamie's oh, okay. new book about, huh? Oh, he's been bike riding. Is that what his book is about? Bike riding? No, no. J Jamie um, is on a book tour. Okay. About. Yeah, I know. Because I see him getting in and off the plane. plane yeah. Yeah. You G5 know, he's thing. so much. Yeah. He's Mr. G5 now. Listen. Um, why do people who Why do people who don't who didn't get the plane always pose in front of the plane? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's cool. You know, I'm gonna tell you what it is, man. You know, Lewis. There is something to, you know, 
getting on a private jet. It's it's really cool, the whole process and getting on. And But the problem a lot of these people have is it's not your jet. Right. You, right. you It's not like they were coming for you. Right. <laughs> it's not like they were picking. You are a piggyback extra bag. You are the extra bag. Right. You know, it's right. like the the the, the 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 plane was there to pick up somebody else, and you happen to be like the the you happen to be like the the Amazon package that needs to get there fast. You right. like some medicine, right? You there just you go. medicine. Yeah, yeah, you're the heart transplant. Yeah, you're the heart transplant. You're not really you're not really that important. Well, I mean, you know, I'm shot. Okay, I wanted to ask you a question. Um, ask away. I got an I, answer. I've been. You know how sometimes we have jokes in our head that we just don't want to say? Yeah. Okay, so, and I want to see what you thought about it. I've yet to say it to anyone. Okay. So my my ex-wife's uh, aunt, who I knew, died. She mm. died okay. a few weeks ago in okay. the Bay Area. And she died in a fire because she fell asleep smoking a cigarette. Mm. So I... Um, Tragedy. Yeah, so... I, I dropped my son off at the airport because he went up to the funeral. Then I picked him up afterwards, and then we're driving. So I'm like, what most people say, hey, how was the funeral? How did your mom hold up? Did mm-hmm. anybody go crazy? You know, how mm-hmm. it wasn't. He said, it was cool. It was cool. And I was like, did they, was it an open casket? And he was like, no, they cremated her. And right away, my was like, I'm like, I'm like, dang, they hit her twice? You know, so I, I you know, so I, I just, and then I just kept, piling on saying more things i didn't say it to him i'm just driving saying this to myself oh shit you know i'm just saying myself like i'm sure she said like oh y'all gonna do this to me again when oh, they were rolling twice up? Yeah. really really so. we're gonna we we, uh, we we gonna rotisserize my ass again lewis oh, we could do this all day lewis that is a funny funny joke did you like the aunt yeah, she was cool. Okay. I mean, she was cool. She didn't, I mean, Thanksgiving, she couldn't cook well, hey, but we know. Listen, <laughs> See, I, I, hold on. I, I got a similar story, Lewis. Okay. So this is the, this is the coldest, funniest thing I'd ever heard. So uh, one of my uh, cousins uh, smokes habitually. Mm-hmm. She smokes habitually. And her her and her husband smoked habitually. They, they smoke. So... You know, I'm not talking, and she's damn near 70. So he got cancer for the second time mm-hmm. <laughs> and was still smoking. So she sends out a text, <laughs> text, you know, to the family, like, would you please pray for us, you know, and make sure, you know. Um, my nephew said the coldest thing I, I'm not wasting my prayers. <laughs> <laughs> if you won't stop smoking, <laughs> if you're not gonna stop, it makes no sense, bro. So I, I roared, I roared, bro. Well, is that you? Yeah, that's me. I thought me. that was Chris calling. The no, studio, that, that's so, me. Um, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm rude and ignorant. I just have my phone on. So yeah, man. So yes, man. Listen, I, 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 I you know what? We gotta. I'm, I'm really, um, I'm one of those people that, uh, Lewis, you know me. My 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 comedy has no edge. I don't, you know. Sometimes I don't. I you know. I'm I'm filterless. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, we used to we used to um, look to comics uh, to say things we couldn't say. Mm-hmm. You know that that was the that was what a comic did. He said the 
he said the unusual, the bizarre, the the outlandish to, you know, the shocking, you know, that that and and um, we cannot allow ourselves as artists, as comics to fall into this situation where when we say things, we're afraid of the the backlash and or the if you're not being if you're not saying things with malice intent. If you're not saying things with vicious malice intent, don't associate my words of humor and try to justify it meaning that I hate this group or that I want to disparage this person, this thing. Because we, used, I, I, I do this now at shows. I'm like, listen, let me let me explain everybody. These are jokes. Mm-hmm. This is the, the, these are jokes. All right. If I get up here and I start talking about uh, chicks that 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 are uh, th- that that are babies' mamas and they're doing this, that, and other thing because you happen to be a baby's mama, don't start going. I'm offended. Right. I didn't know that about you. Right. I'm just right. up here talking in general. I'm I'm speaking in the in the hearsay in the, right. in the you know it's just it's just it's just. It's just the, the the what I'm talking about. Don't don't assume that that means I hate babies' mamas, or or if I'm talking about like Dave, if he was talking about transgender, and this what made me so upset about the backlash that he's getting. Dave was telling his personal story. Right. This is personal life. Right. With with people. Th- that is a truth that you cannot. Walk away from. I I knew this person. I I talked with this person. I I ate with this person. I I I I ingratiated myself with this individual. To now come back and associate that with meaning he hates this entire group is wrong. Right. It's wrong and it's not true and it's unfair. I and 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 I I I've been working on this joke too, man. I'm like you got to understand in in the in the Transgendered community has to understand that people do not hate. Them. I mean, there's some people that hate them or, or have agreement or disagreements with them. Most people do not. Right. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say that most people do not. I I know I personally don't, but I'm not trying to understand your situation. I'm not trying to be a part of your situation. But I'm gonna tell you to a person on the outside of your situation. It's different. Right. Now, it's interesting you say it like that because, like, it, it is in my personal space. My daughter's not transgender, but she is she is gay. Right. She is, uh, I don't, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out, mom and I, when we talk to her, she's, she's you know, she's not bisexual. She has a partner. She's lesbian. Um, she's the female in the relationship, and her partner, Laurel, is the, is the male part of it. Now, um... Can you use those gender descriptions? To well, it's the pronoun. Well, that's the thing. That's okay. I'm going to say that's the. Okay. I don't know if I can use the word. That's the beautiful part about it, but that's the beautiful understanding part about it. Right. Getting to learn what's the proper. Yes. Proper to to make you feel comfortable and and we go back and forth because like I had said before, I earlier I had said that when, okay, I picked her and her partner up from the airport. They came to visit, and the family was going to Hawaii. So. They got in the car. So I said, okay, I'm going to talk to them because they've been together for like three years as if it was her, a boy and a girl. 
I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna respect this relationship. So I was like, hey, how you guys? You know, I'm glad you guys because they moved in together. And I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, so you guys, when are you thinking about getting married and 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 having mm-hmm. kids? And or do you guys want a boy or a girl? And they both were like, well, we don't, we're not talking about gender. So then at dinner with the family, you know, we were like, you know, I'm like, well, um, this is way back when. I'm like, yo, you, um, it's gonna be a boy or a girl. So you got to have one or the other. And if it's something else, then y'all going to make a lot of money, you know, but it's going to be, it's going to be a boy or a girl. So, and then, then my son jumped in like, no, dad, you can't ask that. Uh, if it's a boy or girl, that's what they're trying to say. I was like, well, you know what? It's, I don't know see, what, what's see, the, you guys got to put out a pamphlet so I'll know what the proper thing is so I won't offend you. But see, that's what I'm talking about. And that's what I'm referring to, uh, Lewis. The, the, to, to them. Our confusion with this and our trying to understand it and saying things about it is now a form of hate. Yeah, and it's and, not. And, and it's not. And, 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 and I refuse to allow people to say that I hate somebody that's transgender. I, I tell you more than anything else, I'm a tad bit confused. I'm trying to figure it out. Right. And in, and in, my, and in my figuring it out as a comic... I say things that I think are humorous about the subject. It doesn't mean that it's I hate transgender people. Like to make an analogy, I was thinking about this on the way down here. You know, humans are the only ones that do this. You know, can you imagine? And please do not call me or have me saying I'm comparing transgender people to, to, to pets or cats or animals. I'm just making an analogy. If you see a dog, now, see, you can't start. See, you can't. I, if you, you see can't. a cat, if you see a, if you see an animal, right? And I'm just using cats and dogs as cats and dogs. Okay. Okay. See, that's what I'm talking about, Lewis. We can't even make comparisons now. Well, would you want no, them to make no, comparisons if it was a black I said, person? No, I. And I'm. Let me finish. Okay. Let me finish, okay. Lewis. I'm saying, humans are the only ones that can do this. Okay. Okay. If you see a cat or a dog and the cat tells you I'm a dog, that would be confusing. Well, that would be confusing. It, well, I, especially depending on how the cat explained it. I, if the cat you. talked. If the cat talked, and I'm just saying if cats can talk, you see how ridiculous this is? You see how ridiculous I'm getting now? That's what I'm saying. If I was making, if I'm talking about pets, cats and dogs can talk. Cat comes in and tells you I'm a dog. Or the dog comes in and says I'm a cat. You mean to tell me as a person, I don't hate my pet. I don't hate this. I don't hate the cat or the dog. I'm trying to figure this shit out. No, I, I hear you. And so if I'm making jokes about it as I'm figuring this out, I don't want Peter and all the cat people, all the dog people to come tell me I hate cats and dogs. I don't. Right. And no, it, it is a tough situation. That's ex- exactly why our boss poet is, plays that disclaimer before we start the show. About yeah, I, these are not the views of the exactly. Morris Media. <laughs> right, because you have to protect yourself from uh, unnecessary confusion or and, confusion and, and, that and, it becomes necessary. And, and that's what I'm saying. The situation is confusing. And it's not, and it's not to say that you hate transgender people or you hate the gay community or you hate... Yeah, as a comic... I'm trying to figure it out. Right. And, and, and my job as a comic is to attempt 
to make light or make comedy about things we don't understand. That is that that that's the that is the crux of what many comics are. We are people that inevitably try to find humor in stuff we don't understand. True, true. And before you know, I got a text from Chris Spencer who mm-hmm. Chris Spencer is always doing something else. Too much. He's all. Whenever he makes it, if it's, it depends on who the higher gig is. I I love Chris. He's one of my. He. I'm gonna say this. He is probably my best friend in the industry. He does too much. He's almost too much. Like he said, you okay, can't. I- you can't talk to Chris because he'll be on his phone. Chris. Chris. Chris is busy. 24 7. He's he got mad at me because I don't keep my phone on. I'm like, dude, I, I'm gonna get some sleep. I don't have that many deals. Right. Yeah, he's got a lot of deals. Hey, I, uh, boss, uh, I wanted to. Um, she looked up like, yes. Uh, first, how are you? I was wondering if this is so awkward because, you know, we, we're just trying to get her love back because, you know, we left and she's. Man, so Paul, you know what? You should have called me. I would have came on down here. See, that's your problem right there. You went back. You know, you should have just got some whole new blood. Well, but you went no, backwards. No, no, she she had people like Al Toomer, so we were oh, upgraded. Oh, Lord yeah, have so mercy. We were upgraded anyway. <laughs> so she she'd rather you, deal with us than something like that. And uh, you better you better leave. See, you're gonna have Al Toomer in here outside. Ah, uh, Lewis. Oh, he he already called me a coon. I really did he? Yes, at the J spot when I was hosting <laughs> one of your things. And you remember the night you put him up? Remember the night? Yeah, I I I, I put him up one night, and then I you you hosted for me, right? Like, and that was later. that was he, got, he, he called you coon. Coon said I was cooning for the people. And, oh, uh, and I and so Potus, I was wondering if you could play the clip of George Carlin. It's just something I want you. To, now George Carlin was a beast. Everyone knows. Oh, everybody, and, and he used to speak truth to power, and and, could... and he did it. You yes. can't be. You got to be fearless, bro. Yeah, he he was he was. I remember Cat Williams, man. I saw a a Cat special a few years ago, and you got to watch this, man. Cat Williams went in (laughs) during the Michael Jackson controversy. Oh, okay. Okay. And nobody said a thing. I mean, when Cat went in, when I say he went in Mm -hmm. and (laughs) and called Michael Jackson everything. Every every well, Peter yeah. Pan ass. He, I mean, he went in right. Mm-hmm. It was funny. It was it was it was. Now, did did nobody came out and see? This is this is this is the issue I have about this whole issue. People pick and choose what they want to complain and be offended about. Yes, and 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 I find it very unusual and very highly unusual and 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 funny that. We will, we will, we will jump on and be ready to cancel black and brown people for their statements, but it's still, uh, uh, let's see, uh, uh, it's cachet and it's cool to support a lying, cheating, raggedy ass, lying, conniving ass ex-president that who caused an insert, I mean, really almost committed treason. Mm-hmm. And we're still like, ah, we love Trump. I mean, we love Trump. Nobody's trying to cancel him. He's thinking about running again. But we're mad because Dave Chappelle said, hey, <laughs> you know what? You can you can talk about Negroes, but you can't offend gay people. We mad? Yeah. We well, upset? You gotta have something to be mad at. 
I was Come I on, wanted man. to tell Alex that when I you know you Google someone's name, mm -hmm. it's, uh, there's another Alex Thomas that's an English drummer. He comes up first, and then Alex comes up. Well, maybe Alex should sell the drummer a bag. <laughs> that's that's pretty that's amazing. When I had heard that, I was like, "Wow, good for him." So he's over. He's like a few-time millionaire selling. Hey, man, things. Alex is doing it, man, and he's quietly doing it. Yeah, you know, and, that, and that and that and that's that's one thing I like about about the whole thing is he did it quiet, you know. And yeah. he was right, you know. There were a lot of people hating because I'm gonna tell you, I didn't. I mean. Alex, I was like, yo, Alex, these bags are fly. I was like, yo, man, why how can I get one? Alex said, I said, how much is this, this backpack? Because it was, when I tell you that backpack was fabulous, Lewis. It was, mm -hmm. it was like all alligator. It was, it was some, it was some, it was a fly ass backpack. And did he design it? I, I think Lewis Stewart is the designer, mm. but, but, but I get, I think part of Alex's, and I don't know, I don't know what Alex's, you know, business acumen is with the bags as as opposed to being a liaison to get to some of these other people. You Got know, it. I'm sure that he might have some design capabilities and, you know, does what he does. But, you know, he knows what's, okay, this is what's happening. You know, so he's giving the guy, this is what's happening in the hood stuff, right? So <laughs> he brings these bags down and I, it was funny as hell. We were all, I think, at the the the, the comedy union and, and he comes in with these bags and we're all like, ah, shit. Man, when he said, I said, so how much is this one? Because he had like three or four of them, right? I was like, how much is this black one, man? I love this black one. Out of his mouth, <laughs> out of his mouth, <laughs> Alex goes, all right, okay, buddy, that bag is 2700 I went, I was like Eddie Murphy in the movie. <laughs> oh, right, right. right. <laughs> right. right. What? Right. The 20... <clears throat> oh, well, I won't be purchasing one of you. And then we all, all the comics started laughing. Like when Lewis, mm. when he left Lewis, we were all like kind of laughing. Like, I know he's not trying to sell none of that shit to us. Right. <laughs> Mick, bro, we are on the same payroll you're on. <laughs> so. Okay, what? Who, Chris? Who called? <laughs> oh, okay, caller. Hey, other than Chris. Hey, caller, how you doing? How you doing, uh, Lou? How you doing? It's because, man. How you doing? Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm so glad you guys are back, man. This is a breath of fresh air, man. You can say hi to Buddy uh, Lewis. What's up, brother? I am. What's up, my brother? I'm actually calling for Buddy Lewis, man. Oh, that, now that hurts. Mm -hmm. now that, that, why, 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 why you playing, Lou? <laughs> that hurts. Okay, go ahead. Um, <laughs> hey, buddy. Now, did you, you used to own a comedy club in Ohio, right? No, I never owned a comedy club. I used to. I had started a a very uh, uh, good room out in the valley. Uh, that was called the Haha ha Cafe. I helped start uh, a comedy phenomenon in the Valley. Now, if you're talking about, I used to come to a club in Ohio. As a matter of fact, there was a guy that had a club in Columbus, and his name was Andrew Ford. And I used to come do his club. Uh, I did his club several times. Oh, okay. Because Google made it seem like you, like you started out as a as a comedy, uh, like a comic owner. I mean, a, a owner of a comedy club. Hmm. Yeah. Well, the Google is full of trash. They they don't they don't know my story. You tell Google, I said, kiss my ass. Don't be lying on me. <laughs> right on. Hey, I got a, I got a real quick question. I'll let you guys get back, man. When is the outlaw Johnny Black coming out, man? 
Oh, great question, man. Great question. That is a uh, film that is a, uh, uh, a a black dynamite sort of uh, yes. parody, but it's a Western. Uh, Michael yeah. J. White is uh, in the process of finishing, uh, the, doing the finishing touches on it. The last time I spoke to him, he was looking at sometime, um, maybe, maybe first of the year was like what I heard. That's what's up, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, dude, people don't realize your history, man, and you are a comic legend. I still remember the serial bit you did on Def Jam. Man. Oh, hell no. That is hilarious. <laughs> Thank you, man. I appreciate that, bro. Thank you. Yeah. All right. You guys have a good one, man. All right, All right man. man. You have a great one, man. Hey, uh, right. uh, are you in Ohio? No, no, no. I'm back in Indiana. Okay. Oh, man, that's my hometown. That's my home state. Are you oh, born yeah. I was. I'm, I'm from. I'm. I. My. I claim Gary, Indiana. I was born in St. Louis, but I claim Gary as my my raising spot. Oh, Gary, I'm. I'm surprised you're still alive. Yeah. Well, you know what? It wasn't nearly as bad. It wasn't nearly as bad then uh, as it is now. But Gary, yes, that is my hometown. I. You know. I. Oh, okay. I, and 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 the fact that I tell people I'm from Gary, I get that reaction. It gets me out of a lot of trouble. You know, I was in Compton yeah, one time. I walked up on these two gangsters, and they were like. Yo, give me your stuff. I said, yo, man, I'm just a dude from Gary, man. They went, oh, bro, look, we don't want no trouble. Hilarious. Yeah, man. <laughs> you remember Gary used to be the capital of the murder, murder capital. And, I, and I'm like, you know why it ain't no more? Because everybody's dead. Everybody, everybody listen, ain't, no, it ain't nothing but old people. They ain't carrying no guns. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, well, thank you for the call, man. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it, man. Yes, sir, man. Thank Welcome you. back. Hey, All good love. to be back. Thank you. All right. Um, Wow, so that was, again, see how this works? So I thought he was calling for me, and then he's like, I'm really calling for Buddy. That hurt. Lewis, like I said, don't be offended. Okay? No, I'm not going to be offended. I'm just, don't, don't, I don't just, think that's a good way to start things okay. off. Yeah, but um, it's the best way to start things off. Listen, I'm back, and I got fans. <laughs> listen, I want to thank, um, thank Alex Thomas, Alonzo Bolden, George Wallace for taking the time to call in. I want to thank Poetis. Uh, thank you, Buddy. Hope again I see you next week. And to you guys who are out there, Morris Media, thank you for your love. Uh, we're going to continue this thing, and hopefully uh, John Lemon will find come to his senses. And uh, listen, um, before I go, I wanted to say um, uh, comedy is a beautiful art form. I mean, it's tough, and it's not made for the fragile. So the ones who don't give up are the artists. So guys, if you're doing comedy, you take that mic. Keep doing it the right way. And uh, love all of you. We're out. And don't forget, it's a man's world every day. Go ahead, you can say something. Oh, uh, Buddy Lewis jokes on Instagram and Twitter. That's all. You know, I got shows Friday, eight and ten. Laugh back. I mean, uh, uh, J Spot, uh, 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 <laughs> Manchester, fifty-five eighty-one Manchester. Bye. Talk to you. Bye. Thanks. <laughs>